when you first got to the varsity wrestling team at East Lake North, who was the first person to kind of kick your butt and welcome you to the varsity level of competition? Uh, that list is long and distinguished. So anybody that was in, within 20 pounds <laughs> of me beat up on me pretty dang good. Uh, but uh, uh, John Quetter was probably the, the toughest beatdown I ever I ever took. It was uh, he, he literally at one point got so tired of beating up on me that he said, I'm going to hit the double leg in three, two, one. And I was on my back and I was like, in my brain, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And then I just, I couldn't stop it. It always feel like I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially, ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy. All right, welcome to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast. This is episode number 54. This is a, this is a really cool one. We're making some Team Player Podcast history today. We have our first ever wrestling coach that's come into the Team Player Podcast studio. I had the pleasure of meeting today's guest through my work as the host of the Seven Lakes Sports Podcast. And boy, am I glad that I did. I've really been touched by his coaching method, his investment in developing every single athlete in his program. And he's got the hardware to prove that that method works in making sure you're investing in every single player. And also, he's got a really interesting backstory that we kind of touched on a little bit on the Seven Lake Sports Podcast, but I can't wait in today's show to dive deeper into it and hear his story. He is a longtime head wrestling coach uh, at the Seven at Seven Lakes High School. Welcome, Mike DeMarchi, to the show. Hello, how you doing? Hey, Coach, glad to have you here. And if you've been a part of this team player movement, like I know Coach is, he's a listener. He's a listener-turned-alumnus here. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure, take the five seconds, give us that five-star rating, whatever you're listening on. Uh, we're at 49 on Spotify, so let's get number 50 in there, uh, 27 on Apple Podcasts. So pretty good. We can all we always want more. The more we get, the more people find our show when they search for a sports podcast. And if you want to leave a written review, I'll read those on the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe. Get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'd be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it in your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. Follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. And lastly, just word of mouth. Word of mouth helps so much. That's really how we've kind of grown the show. That There is no marketing budget. It's just me here in my home office. Uh, so please spread the word because the people that love this show really love this show. Okay, here we go, Coach. Your early life. You grew up on the east side of Cleveland, mostly in East Lake. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm from Texas, but I've always had an affinity for Cleveland. And the reason being, my favorite movie of all time is Major League. <laughs> I, 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 in my head, that, you know, that, uh, the, the song at the beginning of the movie, you know, the oil barge rides down yep, the Cuyahoga River. Like, I, I, that is always in my head. I love that song. I fell in love with Cleveland just from that movie. And so, and I've met good people from Cleveland, like my good friend Phil Dober, who you know, you work with at Seven Lakes. So just kind of talk to us. A lot of our listeners are Texans. Kind of talk to us. What what was it like growing up in Cleveland? Uh, you know, Cleveland's a, a great town, and it had a great resurgence when I left. I don't know if I yeah. was the factor or not, but uh, you know those <laughs> those uh, those Rust Belt cities. It was kind of yeah. you know it was rough. Like you you yeah. 
like no one you knew lived in the city. It was yep. like a uh, developing country. And then it's uh, like Detroit, Detroit. Know, similar. Yeah, it was. Well, I went to the University of Toledo, so I got to spend some time in Detroit, went to a couple Tigers games and uh, yep. um, got to see the Lions. Lions are, didn't play anywhere near Detroit, but, it, you know, in Pontiac, right. but still, right. uh, you know, you drive through Detroit. It's like, don't stop. Don't ask for directions. Red lights don't count. Just go. Um, you know, uh, I was, I was there for kind of all the rough stuff. I had my, I had my heart ripped out of my chest, uh, by John Elway. Uh, I was, you know, I was, yeah. I was in the high school then, uh, watching, uh, um, you know, the, probably the second most iconic picture of Michael Jordan is the celebration that he hit when he dropped that three on us in the, oh, Elo. the conference yeah. championships right <laughs> over Elo. Yeah. And it was like, but, but, but we had him. And, you yeah. know, watching Ernest Biner fumble that poor guy. And then, the you know, I, I was there when the river was on fire, uh, not <laughs> literally there, but I mean, I was still yeah. part of that, you know, I was a kid, but um, it was, we used to go to Browns games at old municipal stadium and park two, three blocks away. And it was like, walk fast, head down and go. And then yeah. you would get in the stadium and be, you know, safe. But it was that I love the kind of the blue collar feel of it. We always felt like we we're an underdog. But it was just yeah. like you never we just never got that win. And then like when I, you know, when I leave, you know, Ohio State gets back to doing its thing, you know, which is yeah. obviously not Cleveland, but you know, and and then, you know, we get the we get a couple titles out of the Cavs and you know, the uh, yeah. you know, I when I left the, you know, the Browns left the year after that, and then the, you know, the Indians now Guardians, you know, started taking yeah. off and doing great things. Um it, it still is my connection. I still, you know, my dad still lives out there. He's, he's probably like one city further uh east um you know from there but he's he's still there i mean he splits time in south carolina uh but my um you know the, i got a still a fair amount of family back in ohio so i, I still miss it but i've been gone for a long time i, I can kind of relate in some ways because houston you know you have the back-to-back championships in 94 95 of the rockets a lot of people say those don't count be- we're kind of famous for getting asterisks <laughs> from national media because they'll say okay jordan retired jordan's playing baseball that's you know jordan comes back gets another three p but Really, when you look outside of that, the Oilers, the Astros, you know, the Rockets, long periods of futility. And then all of a sudden, of course, the resurgence of the Houston Astros. And of course, there have been other controversies of the Astros that we don't we're not going to go down that, you know, that path. And because we could talk all day. But I kind of understand your feeling of kind of like a sports talent. Just like, man, we can never do it. We're kind of the butt of the joke. The term mistake by the lake, you know, that a lot of national people like I'm curious your thought. on Was that something that pissed you off that you're like oh yeah like that or was it more of like kind of like hey we embrace it like i don't know the underdog spirit just kind of how did you feel that mistake by the lake thing that the national media put on you uh pissed off is a is a good uh good word for that i just it kind of it kind of put me in the like well who and who wants to fight about it uh yeah yeah you know kind of maybe set a few of my uh poorer decisions in life but um you know that i hated that feeling because it was like we're just like any other, you know, Rust Belt city, you know, from the seventies and the eighties where yeah. it was, you know, a lot of the infrastructure was, was crumbling, but so was everybody else's. And it just, it bothered me in it, but it was also that, um, you know, it's, it's about as far North as you can get, obviously without, you know, falling in the lake and going to Canada, but yeah. you, you still were very, very Midwest and you're like, who said I can't do that? And the, and the fight and the, I, I think that kind of built a lot in with me. Um, yeah. You know, being being raised by my dad, who was a uh, he was a woodshop teacher and uh, he lost his job in the 70s when, you know, when their infinite wisdom, they decided to cut all the arts, which is like the dumbest thing in the world we could have done. Uh, but he ended up starting his own business. And I mean, good Lord, he's his his company is worth, 
I, I don't want to say the words right now, but it's it's worth a whole lot. And if I would have nice. stayed and done that, I would have I would have been a low, I would have been a different tax bracket. But um, <laughs> you know that you know that you know the mistake by the lake. It used to always yeah. bug me, you know, in the you know the armpit of Ohio, and it, it was sure. a joke because it was it was a bustling town. It was a hardworking town full of great people. Um, and it, and it was, it, I really enjoyed it. Granted, I was gone, you know, when it happened, because like what I, I left in 95 and then the, you know, the Indians started coming back around and we built Jacobs field at the time. And then, and I, I come to Houston and they had just finished winning the titles and I was like, Oh, so there's titles here. And then there wasn't for a long time. It's like, maybe it's yeah. me. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> bad luck guy. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I loved watching the city come, you know, come back to life as I would come back and visit, you know, with the rock and roll hall of fame. And then it was like, hey, we're going to meet downtown. I'm like, you're going to meet where? Like, no, no, we got this place downtown and we're going to walk over to the, you know, to Gund Arena. Because I used to, yeah. if I watched the Cavs game, you had to go down to Richfield. And Richfield is part of Cleveland. Like, yeah. you know, the Woodlands is part of, Tex you know, Houston. Sure, I mean, it's sure. yeah. even further away. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just so cool to see that resurgence where it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful city now. And, I got to ask you as a native and, and I don't, the term, is it a Clevelander? Is that the term for, I, you know, I never, we never really said that. I just, I'm from Cleveland. You're from Cleveland. <laughs> so it's from, from Cleveland. I got to ask you, like I said, that I love that movie. And of course the movie was actually filmed at, uh, you know, County stadium in Milwaukee, unfortunately. So it wasn't actually filmed in Cleveland as far as my knowledge. I mean, the stadium was Brewers stadium. Um, but I'm curious, like for y'all, what's your take on the movie? Do you, did you love it? Did you, do, do, do people there talk about that movie still? Or I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was, it was really funny cause we, we have a lot of dress up days here, at, you know, on, on campus and, yeah. you know, for, uh, you know, football games and all. And one of them was like, where your favorite Jersey day. And I was like, I'm not a football Jersey guy. It's kind of not my yeah. thing. And I was like, Oh, my, my wife is sitting there on the couch with me and she goes, I found a Jersey for you. It's coming. And the, you know, days on amazon I, I go to the you know pull the bag open and it's a uh, 99 ricky vaughn jersey you got the, and, and i was like oh i'm wearing that and i was like it's kind of a friendship test who's gonna go oh that's awesome so of course who sees me what 10 minutes into school and it's like oh yeah that's my boy it's dober you know as soon as he sees me he's like love yep, it yep 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 now that that movie when it came out like it was you used to be able to pay God, I can't remember if it was two dollars or a buck fifty to get in the bleachers back in the days. Yeah. And it was back in old municipal stadium. So you would, you know, as as teenagers, we would pay that that buck fifty to get in the bleachers. And then just like there was a poorly guarded little fence that you could kind of like shimmy through and you could <laughs> you could slide down. I mean, like I'm not saying I sat in the first baseline, but they didn't there were so few fans there. We would right. you know, you could get down pretty dang close and the the ushers were just like good for you. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. teenagers aren't drinking beer and causing problems. You know, you're good. <laughs> and we used to go all the time, you know, those, those guys that had the, you know, the wildly inappropriate TP and the drums and all sure, that sure, sure. It, was, it was a cool part of it. So I actually saw major league in the theater the first weekend it came out with a bunch of high school buddies. And it was that, it was a joke. It's like, well, at least we can win something, even if it's fake it in the movies. But I mean, I, I yeah. still watch it and I still, I, I still make some quotes now and again, I try to, I try to get my athletes involved in the stuff from the '80s because it's starting to fall. You know, it's disappearing. I, so I I bully them into watching the Goonies and, and yeah, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, Major League's one of them. Yeah, Bob Euchre, man, 
The yes. Indians win the pennant. The Indians win the pennant. <laughs> oh my God, the Indians win the pennant. I still get goosebumps oh. every time I think about that scene. If but... I if I have a wrestler that that misses a move really bad, I still kind of lean over to one of my coaches and go just a bit outside. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, sometimes when I do broadcasting and it's like a, a low level game. That that scene or Bob Euchre, you know, he cusses on the air, yeah. and the color commentary guy who never talks <laughs> says, yeah. "You can't say that on the air." And he goes, "Ah, Christ, nobody's listening." I, I, I say that a lot. <laughs> I uh, I did that similar here where I uh, uh, when we had our second child, my wife stayed home, so I was driving the bus for the cheerleaders. I was keeping score for volleyball. I was announcing for softball games, yeah. and so we were at a you know the last softball game of the season. Uh, back uh, our first uh, coach here, Taylor King, this is a great guy, came over from Taylor. Uh, God, he was funny. But uh, I'm announcing, and it's a wireless headset, so I'm tired of being in the box. It's spring, and I sit out on the yeah. on the uh, the little stoop out there so I can call the game, you know, and I, I didn't realize I had the announcer's voice, but I got that. You just can't do it. You can't say, hey, next batting is, you know, Jessica yeah, Smith. Right, and sure. And now batting. So we got down <laughs> to, like, our, our last our last at-bat, and we had to win this game to get in the playoffs. And it was cheat. Uh, I can't, I, I would never say the kid's name. And if I could remember, but we, we popped up in the last inning and it was like popped straight up and like the entire infield is just pointing. And I forgot I had the headset on. I just went, ah, crap. Oh. <laughs> and, and that was the last game I got to announce for the <laughs> I didn't get in trouble, but it just kind of, it just kind of moved along. And then I, I looked around, I was like, ah, you know, and again, they, we had a fan base, but nobody was listening. Everybody was all in there like, oh, I could yeah. have said anything and no one would have heard it. Not, you know, we, we were packed. The place was packed. It was just they were they were so focused on the moment. And I was like, oh, man, I can't. That is it. a great story, man. Oh, gosh, uh, I love that one. I came in a tick down to Kangas. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He goes, nah, he goes, I felt the same. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you. And I, I know this is like you said, I mean, I, in, the, in the name of progress, I'm all for it. You know, but I'm, I'm sure for some fans get losing the Indians moniker was probably something that I don't know what it was like in the city of Cleveland, like the pulse of the city when that happened. But I did talk to coach Dober about it and asked about the guardians name. And he explained to me that there is a, a, a bridge, a famous bridge there where there are the actual guardians of the Cuyahoga or what I forget what he, what he told me they were called, but that that is a real statue in Cleveland. So that yeah. was the reason, but I remember telling him I was all about the Cleveland spiders. I just thought that was so cool. That was your team before the Indians. And I thought that's such a cool nickname. And I, I really thought they might do it. And I was, I was rooting for Cleveland spiders and so nothing against the guardians, but I thought that would have been pretty cool. Curious your thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm so far removed from it. And the, uh, uh, you know, I, I still have friends back on, on Facebook that are like refused to take down into the chief Wahoo stuff. And I, I yeah. have, I have in the back of my closet, I got a, you know, I have an actual fitted hat that, you know, it's a, it's, it's, 30 years old well probably more than that pretty beat up i ain't wearing that in public because sure thank you and it was the it's i think it was kind of part of that like that whole empathy idea it was like well who's it bothering you're like the the native american community has said multiple times we're not cool with this right and you're like well well, what about the seminoles you're like very different (laughs) very very different so um i'm i'm glad that they they changed it and they changed that idea uh you know the the spiders that one that, that's beyond me i don't remember that one at all well it was i mean it was well before all of us well but that, that is the history like you know if you go way back <laughs> back in the day they were called the cleveland spiders i was like that's a pretty cool name i, I like the guardians logo i mean i think i think it's pretty cool yeah, it's but specific. uh you know but yeah i think we may have missed an opportunity to get a run of the coolest sports mascot well, that would have 
that would have done me in because I'm definitely afraid of spiders. Oh, so okay. <laughs> Arachnophobia, yeah. Well, yeah. cool. No, so so growing up in Cleveland, so, sounds like you you know you really enjoyed it, but then eventually you know you matriculate on into high school at East Lake North. Uh, you were you were, some of your coaches were Coach Matucci, Coach Craig, uh, Coach Tapley, and I I looked it up. You really were just kind of just northeast of the city, right there along the lake line. I mean, I, yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool location where East Lake is. Um, the the neighborhood that I lived in. It was it was a suburb that the front of it was on Lakeshore Boulevard, which was wow. the Lakeshore Boulevard. Yeah. And uh, so, like, I probably lived like two miles from the lake. That's um, awesome. kind of neat things like where the we used to swim in the lake all the time. And again, with a mistake on the lake and all the you yeah. know, pollution, you couldn't go in the lake in the 70s. And then they they cleaned it up in the, you know, in the 80s. So when I was a kid, we used to go, we used to go swimming in the lake for like people like, Hey, we're going to the beach. And you're like, you live in Cleveland. Like, yeah, I'm going to the beach and it's legit. Um, and it was, you know, with that lake being, it, it's, it's one of the shallower, uh, uh, great lakes. So it, was, it could get pretty rough, but on the beaches, it was nice. And it's such a huge thing of water. We used to go, we used to swim in like late October because the water would hold its temperature and you could be out there. But then again, like you go out there in June and I remember seeing ice on the lake in, in late May. Yeah. Now, not on the shore, but like way out there. And it was, you go out there in the summer and you could, you could swim out there in the middle of the summer. And if you went about six, eight feet down, it was cold. And I mean, yeah. you know, like the, like <gasps> take your breath away cold, but uh, it was a, it was a cool place to live. Uh, it was, you know, it was an industrial, uh, you know, hardworking, uh, it was a bedroom community, but it was a hardworking town. Um, we had a, uh, uh, we had, a, you know, two schools in our district. We were East Lake North. They were, uh, you know, Willoughby South. So it was a Willoughby East Lake school district. Uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of, it, it, they were the, the South rebels and have had just I'm like, just recently finally changed their name. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> crazy story with that is one of our associate principal here. About is that kind of, uh, is that kind of ironic having the rebels in the union? <laughs> I get the rebels well, were, down here, but what, well, or, yeah. or is it more like an American revolution rebel? Is that what no, they were? No, no, no. They were, it was, it was like, a Confederate the, rebel in Cleveland. Oh, they had the flag and everything. A Confederate they, they flag. Should, yeah. Yeah. No, well, it, I, it, it I had never anything. heard of this. This is <laughs> it didn't it didn't mean anything to us because we were so far removed from it. Yeah. And and uh and I mean it's I hate to say it, but look when I went there, the the schools uh in those kind of cities, they were completely segregated. I see. They weren't okay. segregated by law, but they were completely segregated. Um it, it our big difference was what European country are you from? You know, sure, is this sure, are sure, you sure. You know, we had a, you know, the, the Central European. We had the Italians with the Irish. Polish, yeah. Was, yeah. But I mean, that, that was it. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, that it kind of it made me sad. I'm glad I've come down here to where I can actually, you know, uh, see a whole bunch more cultures. My kids have been raised in that. Yeah. Where they yeah. get to they get to really experience all the different cultures, and um, you know, that was really cool. But no, it was it was weird. And our our associate principal here, uh, uh, Dr. Sario were removed by seven, eight years. We didn't know each other, but she actually went to my rival high school. She went to South wow. and I went to North and we kind of, we met up at like some English, you know, things that we were doing. And, and I was like, she's like, wait, are you from up North? And, and we started talking and yeah. then later on. It was, I went to Toledo and she went to Bowling Green. They're half an hour apart. They're huge D one universities that are half an hour apart. And I'm like, again, seriously. So yeah, just kind of small world. No, that that's really cool. A lot of lot of small world similarities, and I, I do want to point out. I didn't point out at the moment, but I also have a Rick Wild Thing Vaughn jersey, and I I have done that for Halloween in the past. <laughs> where I had the, the entire uniform I wore oh, with with horned rim grass glasses and everything. So it's so a great great stuff there. 
Um, and my wife went to the University of Finley, the home of okay. Ben Roethlisberger, right? Finley, yeah. Ohio. And so I've been to Finley, Ohio and walked around. And so I, I really enjoyed my time in Ohio. I've not been to Cleveland. That is one of my cities. I, I went to Cincinnati one summer, went to a Reds game. Great American ballpark was awesome. So highly recommend that to everybody. But uh, definitely Cleveland on my list. Coach Dorber and I are going to try to work it out. Maybe we go visit Canton together um, one of these times when he's visiting family. So we'll try to get that set up. But um, one more thing just on Cleveland before we kind of go more into your personal journey. The Cleveland Browns moving away. I can only imagine, or I can't, I mean, I've experienced it with the Oilers. So I, I can kind of relate. The thing that bothers me now, though, is I, I, I like, and I don't know exactly how all this transpired, but the NFL was able to retain, you know, the, the intellectual property of the Cleveland Browns for the city of Cleveland. I'm so upset that the league or however, whatever happened, that that, that, what, that same arrangement was not done for Houston. I've never gotten into the Houston Texans. I've just never become a, a Texans fan. It, it, all of us here, we love the baby blue. We're all love you blue down here. So many great memories from that time. And I've seen teams, like I've seen the Charlotte Hornets move away to New Orleans. They became the Charlotte Bobcats for a time, but now the right, the wrong was right, and they're the Charlotte Hornets. The Cleveland Browns got to come back and be the Cleveland Browns. Now you got Amy Adams Strunk over there for the Tennessee Titans. She's going to unveil now the Houston Oilers uniform, most likely against the Houston Texans this year as a big – F you or slap in the face of the city oh. of Houston. And it's just kind of, it really kind of bothers me. I, I I think that this city would be reinvigorated if the Texans, I don't think people are tied to the Texans, in my personal opinion. I know we've had a couple good years, people got excited, but I, I don't think we're tied to the Texans like we are to the Oilers. I think you can relate as a Browns fan. The Oilers are the pulse of the city. So I'm just curious yeah. for you, what? how do you feel about that whole dynamic? What if the Cleveland Browns came back and were just some other thing? What if they what if they became what if the football team became the Cleveland Guardians and the Browns never came back? I mean, how do you think the fan base there would react? Well, I, I tell you what, the uh I went to a, a, not a ton because I wasn't very wealthy, but uh I went to a, a fair amount of Browns games and um, you know, that dog pound, that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you better be you better be ready for fight or both. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was crazy. Uh, it was the closest thing that I'd ever been to like, you know, like a, a real high school rivalry or college uh, yeah. games. Um, it was a blast. Now I have yet to be in a game in the new stadium. I mean, my municipal stadium, as far as I'm concerned, that they cut that up and threw it in the lake as a reef, uh, which yeah. is cool. I'm yeah. glad that they yeah. did that. And I, you know, let's be honest, there could not be an uglier uniform in pro sports, but if they took it away, I'd be so mad. I agree. I, I love it. I love the Browns. It's just, yeah. and, I, and I and I don't follow the uh, pro football as much as I really should. And like you said, I'm not connected to the to the Texans. I, I, I was here in 95, so I got a couple of years of the Oilers. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. Wasn't a huge fan of the Astrodome. I'm like, it was, I think maybe it was sold as too much to me, like the eighth. Yeah. Kind of that thing. was a style in the 80s, right? Yeah. Just a big circular. Right, right, right. And, but when I, I got to see a couple of games, I got to see, I got to see baseball and football. And so it was kind of they they had just started interleague play and I got to see the Indians play the uh, Astros mm -hmm. uh, and that was really a lot of fun. Uh, but the um, you know I, I do understand that you know the love you blue and the yeah all that that history that goes with it. Uh, I think part of it is that is that the, the Texans are so new generation that at this point you have to be connected or have a lot of disposable income to go to an NFL game. And yeah. I think that takes out that kind of that fan base. And let's be honest, Houston is a very different city in 2000 and even 10 
than they were in 85. Sure. You know, be, uh, pre and post bust, you know, the, yeah. uh, you know, that growth. So I, I think it's kind of a, a, you know, the NFL can make that money and, you know, and it's a business, I get it, but the, the, the fan base, it's not quite the, not quite, it's not even close to the same. You're, you're right. And, and I do believe you, you got a raw deal. We were so heartbroken when, I mean, like I have never seen hatred for a man in my life than when Art Modell moved the Browns away. Yeah. And like that guy needed to leave and leave right away with security because they were like, I mean, it was, you know, the whole, like you, when you watch major league, you know, the idea of the, yeah. the hard hat and wearing welders coming in, that's, that was the fan base. Yeah. That really was the fan base. Cause you could still get into a game for a reasonable price now. I mean, again, you can't get, you can't get near the field for, you know, a working man's you know salary. I, that, that's why I love the Houston Roughnecks. I am a big time Roughnecks supporter. I'm a season ticket holder, and the 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 crowd there they are those fans you're describing. And literally, since that's our like people are wearing hard hats to the games as to you know as dressing up as a Roughneck, you know. And so it really is a cool group out there. I mean, we have a great time watching those games. But I can totally relate, man. But last thing on 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 North, I mean, you talked about your wrestling program. Obviously, you were you were an extremely competitive wrestling environment, but you also were a high jumper. I think maybe that's something I don't know if everyone knows about you. Maybe some of your Seven Lakes colleagues that are tuning in. So talk about you know that that aspect as well of being a high jumper. Well, let's be honest. It was thirty years and a hundred some pounds ago. But, uh, <laughs> right. I was I was actually way better uh, at track than I was in uh, uh, you know wrestling. Uh, wrestling was you know so competitive, and I I never really kind of came into my my size and um, uh, you know. Uh, the, the only thing I had going for me in wrestling is that I was tough. I was the younger brother. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had some kind of, I heard you mention it with some kind of domestic stuff. I, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I, I got, I got beat up pretty good by several people most of my yeah. life. Yeah. And so uh, I was smart enough to play kind of physical chess. And as long as I could weather the storm, they would make a mistake and I could, I could catch people. Yeah. Uh, but my, my coach joked about me at once where I was so terrible on my feet you know, the neutral position, he's like, you should shake hands, drop down on referees and give up the, you know, the takedown so you can beat the crap out of them from the bottom. And I was like, ha ha funny. And I was like, hmm, he might be yeah. right. And yeah. the sad part is that that's my son's style right now. And I'm trying so hard to fix it because he <laughs> takes the shot off the whistle and gets taken down. Then he, then he ends up getting reversals and beating people up. But I'm like, you're throwing points away. Uh, but I was actually way better at track. Uh, I was never very fast. Um, but it was another one of those things that uh, I love the uh, I love the uh, individual aspect of it that I'm going to get what I've put into it. And let's be honest, for for what God gave me, uh, you know, me to being able to get it, be a six foot high jumper um, was probably well over what I could have should have ever pulled off. Uh, but I just worked at it so hard and I got to, to really focus on it. And had I really taken some some advice from some of my uh, my coaches and I spent more time on sprint work. I might've been able to get a little bit more, but just I couldn't get into it. Cause it was like, they wanted me to run sprint stuff so that I could get better at it. And it was like, how many times do you need to see me take eighth? You know I mean? How many, you know, now if we ever get to a big university track that a nine lanes, I can take ninth for you. But you know, the, I, I ran a, I ran a lot of the, you know, the legs in the four by four every once in a while, like when we're putting a second team in Yeah. and you know, where they put the slowest guy, that was, that was me. You know, I, I, yeah. I I'll, I'll be honest. I never started with it and I never ended with that baton. Sure. <laughs> so I think you know where I belong. Um, but I did, a, uh, I ran the 300 hurdles, uh, as well. Uh, not super competitively, but especially in the duel when we need to fill out, you know, cause yeah. we want to take, we want to sweep one, two, three. 
And it was kind of that, you know, it's that Midwestern kind of wrestler's mentality of like, doesn't matter how many hurdles that idiot hits, he's going to get up and keep running. Love it. And he's yeah. got the, he's got the wind from the wrestling. He can do it. And he's tough. He'll, you know, I, I did a, I did at least one meet where I like probably pulled off like two or three rolls. I would hit clip that thing. And then, yeah. you know, I'd roll and just like, I just get up and go. And these Love are the cinder tracks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, I don't know if you ever ran on a cinder track, but it is a, I think it's a war crime now to have one, <laughs> but uh, you know, I hit one back in, in Maple Heights and I, I rolled two or three times after clipping that those hurdles. And that, that's back when they had the, the bar in front. So if you clipped it, you were going to clip the bottom part as it came up. Oh and yeah. So, yeah. So I would clip it twice and like, keep going. And like, and that's, and my coaches love me because like dude's a tank, he would just keep yeah. going. Um, ended up my senior year getting to serve as a, uh, as a team captain. And they, uh, they had three of us that worked together. I was a captain of the field events. And then uh, my two buddies, one was the distance and the other one was the, uh, the sprinters. And um, it, I, it, I use that story a lot with, with uh, my leadership because it was, we weren't really guided. It was uh, being a captain was like a reward for being yeah. one of the better kids and acting right, basically. But we didn't have like real responsibilities. And that, that's helped me grow a lot as a, as a coach where it's like, hey, I'm going to name this kid as a captain. Like, now here's the. I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is you're selected as a captain. The bad news is you're selected as a captain. I have these huge responsibilities for you. Yeah. And yeah. It's a job. It's a job, not a title. So. I I really resonate with what you're saying, coach, because throughout some times in my coaching career, I almost felt like the, the captaincy awarded in football typically was like four guys. A lot of times I just almost felt like it was just kind of like a I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but just kind of like a symbolic symbol it's just like a symbol as a status symbol right you know like what are these guys actually doing anything and so i think i I really like how now i've seen you know as as my career advanced i saw more and more of like you know leadership councils or things of that nature and you know other ways you can really make them do something to contribute to teams i I love that you're doing that with your program it shouldn't just be a popularity contest or a status symbol you know for for some of the kids but uh you you went on to university of toledo uh, you said you did not continue athletics and you still kind of regret not continuing. You, you, you say you wish you could have gone <clears throat> to a smaller school and tried to compete. And I'm someone that did that. I, I went to a division three school. I wasn't big enough and good enough uh, to, to play D one football or anything, but I went to a small D three school, Austin college in Sherman, Texas, uh, just North of Dallas. Loved it. Loved the time. Met some of the best friends of my life. Loved being able to still compete. But part of me, part of me just wish, you know, cause I'm such a big football fan now or in sports fan in general, part of me was like, man, if I, I wish I would have went to Texas or something so I could be a part of like, I'm actually an alum. But at the same time, even if you don't go to these big schools, like I'm a big Michigan football fan now, which I know we kind of talked about before the show. So you can still, you don't have to go to these schools to become big fans of their football programs, but just curious for you, man. So you, you did mention you, you thought about going to a small school route. What are some of your thoughts about that? Elaborate on that. Cause I know a lot of your, your students are, they, they face that decision. Do I go division three and continue doing what I love or do I go to a bigger school? You know, that's, that's really kind of an excellent question because it's, Oh my God, there's so many different answers to it. And the, um, in reality, especially when I was going to school and you know, I graduated high school in 91, um, you know, it was a lot of the smaller schools there that I had access to. Um, they were private schools and we didn't right. have money, we right. didn't have money. So it was, it was a, um, you know, you kind of need to pick the the best fit for you. Honestly, we we, uh, we drew a circle around Cleveland and said, you know, and, and like the first one was like, it was red. It was like, this is too close. You don't want to be that close because you got to go be your own man. You know, you got to yeah. go be far enough away. And then we drew another circle and it was like, that's too far away. You got to be 
you got to be close. And it was perfect. Toledo's two and a half hours away from, yeah. you know, yes. side of Cleveland. That is nice. Um, <clears throat> I really, I, when I went there, I kind of fell in love with the, uh, you know, the university. It's, it's a, it's a neat place. And, um, if I would have gone to a smaller school, I was fearful that I was going to be going there just for athletics, which again, I, I don't know if I was any good, but I, I, I regret that, um, you know, that I didn't give it the shot. And I think that kind of makes me a better, you know, a, a better coach where I see those people kind of seeing the writing on the wall and not sure if they really want to continue their junior or senior year. And I'm like, look, let's do it. Let's, let's go. Let's have fun together because yeah. you won't get, you won't get a chance to repeat this. Cause even if you are decent, you still don't necessarily have a shot in college athletics. You know, the, um, sure. you know, your buddy coach Hammond in our here, our athletic yeah. director is awesome. Every time I go to recruit, you know, the football players at the end of their, their season before our season starts, he always talks to him first and then he does such a great job. And he's like, coach, you got anything to say? I'm like, no, not really. Cause you just said it all. <laughs> but he, um, he always makes the point that it's like, you get four years. And most of you are only going to get four years. Like you can keep playing tennis and golf for the rest of your life, but yeah. you can, you're net, you're only going to get four years to be a part of, of a team. And I, I, I missed, you know, the, I missed the bus rides. Yeah. You know, I, yep. I, I missed hanging out together. I missed the, you know, going to track meet and then we would, you know, we would set up a tent and everybody would kind of, you know, hang out trying to hide from the sun. Cause I mean, you could see how white I am and <laughs> I, I had to hide from the sun after, you know, you got my steps down for the high jump because otherwise I would, I would have turned into a lobster, mm. but hanging out in that group playing, you know, playing Euchre while you were waiting. And, and I'm sorry for our Southern people, Euchre is a Northern card game. <laughs> that's kind of like hearts. That's the best I can tell you hearts or spades, but yeah. other than that, I can't help you. You're right. Um, but I, I missed I missed all of that where it was the, you know the uh, the strength of your of your your team and your buddies and I've worked really hard to recreate that here at Seven Lakes and I, I love it. Um, you know I, I have a a morning duty here at Seven Lakes and I'm out there in the in the commons and it's just like there's it's not lunch it's not breakfast but I walk in there and there is a table of like twenty wrestlers hanging out and they're just kind of they're finishing up their homework. They're on their phones. They're talking. They're you know they're trading stories back and forth, and they're just kind of loving on each other. And the best part about it is that like when this when the year starts, there's like six or seven kids, and then it grows to twelve, and then it grows to fifteen, then it's twenty. Yeah. And you look at it, and it's like here's my superstar returning you know state placer sitting next to a freshman that hasn't won a match yet on JV, much less on varsity, and they're they're buddies. Love it. And that stuff is just so cool. I miss. I miss that a lot. I, I love that I get to recreate it for my athletes, but I don't get to strap the singlet on or lace up the spikes anymore. It's different. It's, it's always going to, they're, you know, they're not my peers as much as I love the kids. They're not my peers. And I miss that huge peer group. Um, do it all over again. I don't know. I love where I am. I, I'd re, I probably do the same thing, but I there's a part of me that wishes as bad as an athlete I was. I wish I would have done something with it. I understand Oberlin college, right? That's in Cleveland, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's uh, Oberlin is, uh, it's actually, it's like South. Um, I can't remember exactly where I had a couple of friends that ended up going there. Too. I just remember they would send me some letters, you know, when I was in, in high school. So I, I do remember that one in Ohio, but yeah, I, I totally understand, man. Uh, the, the financial commitment is real, you yeah. know? Yes, there is good financial aid that can alleviate <laughs> a lot of it, but I, I took, I had a lot of loans and I paid them off, you know, I just, I, I worked hard and, and paid them off my first couple of years of teaching, but, but yeah, great. Great, great story for me with the, uh, uh, a lot of who I am is, is based on my dad and, uh, 
uh, I have this great picture of him in 1976 with the, you know, the Fu Manchu mustache yeah. kind of rolling down. Um, and uh, we kind of, we look pretty similar and uh, he's just such a hard worker. And this is, this is no joke. This is a straight up Ken DeMarchi story at my high school graduation. Um, I had made a couple of poor choices and I owed my father some money on a car that I had made some uh, poor turning directions with, uh, but uh, I owed him some money and he, he took me down to the basement at the, at my high school graduation party. And uh, he handed me this, this card and said, this is your graduation present. And I opened it up and it was just, you know, I love you. Thank you. And your debt is forgiven. And love I was it. like, so I didn't get anything, but I got my debt forgiven. And I was like, if, you know, there's that 18 year old. You're like, really, really? <laughs> And, uh, you know, looking back, it made sense. But then he looked at me and he goes, I want to tell you something. You know, this is really important because I love, you know, I love, you. but here's the deal. He goes, you can go ahead and you can backpack across Europe. I ain't going to pay for it. Yeah. You can take a gap year. You can go hang out and work at the gap if you want to. You can do whatever yeah. you want because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to financially support you in college for four years. And I mean, four years. And I know they say no one does it in four years anymore. He goes, but I'm not helping you. He goes, you have four years. And when four years is over, you're not coming back here to stay. You're not going to do your laundry here. I'm not buying you lunch. You're completely on your own. He says, you're four years. And he looked down at his watch and he says, starts now. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and I remember thinking like, you got to be kidding me. You. I went through and I was looking at the, you know, the debts and all the things that would happen. I graduated in four years. I took a double load my senior year. Uh, I went to summer school my junior and senior year. I actually had, I had to take a, I had already had a job and I was moving to Houston, already had an apartment and I had to take a health class before I could graduate. Wow. I had yeah. to take a health class my the first kind of summer session. Oh my God, what a, I'm like, I'm here taking, I've, I've just student taught. I've passed, I've been on the Dean's list. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start my life. And they're like, you gotta do a health. You gotta do a three hour health class. But it was that four years. And I left four years with zero debt. I had zero dollars nice. to my name, but I had zero <laughs> yeah. debt between what my dad and I did together. And, you know, it was it, it was crazy hard, but I don't it's some of the hardest work I've ever done besides actually teaching. And uh, I couldn't I, I valued it so, so much. Four years. Get out. And and I remember that first time that I, I got a letter and I wish I remember from the school, but it was a it was a smaller school and I don't ever, I never remembered hearing of it before or after, but I had gone, I had done a, uh, I'd done a track meet that was kind of like a showcase kind of thing. And I had done one of those. And so of course I got a mailing list. They sent me a letter said, we're interested in you. And I was like, dad, somebody wants me. And we looked at it and then, you know, back then you couldn't look it up on the internet. You had to kind of yeah. do some calling and gutting around. And it was like, you know, this is 1991 and tuition was like, eight to ten thousand dollars a year yeah. where you know i could have gone i went to the university of toledo and it was like you know i was paying like three and a half thousand a year. right yeah and then he was like good luck he goes you got it he goes you got a rich uncle i don't know about and then he, <laughs> we just tore that letter up and say yeah <laughs> that was it it was like all right going off to get my degree man that story reminds me so much of my in-laws my wife's parents and i don't know if it's kind of the midwestern kind of you know vibe you know but they, they're the exactly the same way you know and and i guess time times have changed where a lot of like you know uh i, guess, I don't know what the term now is but what a gen z or whatever you know kids kids graduating now a lot more are living at home i know you know the rise yeah. of the cost of, of education so i'm just curious for you you had that that formative experience of your dad <laughs> and you, you you're a dad now 
do you still feel that same kind of way, you know, for, with your kids and, and you're gonna have that same conversation at their graduation party after, after seven lakes high school graduation <laughs> or, or has, has your views changed? I'm not trying to dig into your personal business. I, I'm honestly curious as someone who's become a dad myself. You know, that that's really funny. Cause I, I, my son's a junior. Yeah. Uh, so I'm mean, like, this is, we're supposed to be doing college trips and all. And yeah. it's like, Hey, what do you want to do? And he's like, eh, I don't know. And then and, uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, where do you want to go to school? He's like, Oh, I want to go to college. I'm like, do you know what you really want to do? And he, uh, I'd say probably about six months ago, he started dropping that he thinks he wants to teach and coach. Very cool. And there's, there's that part of my heart where I'm like, hell yeah. I, I know what I've made this kid into and what he is in his yeah. heart. And we're going to, we're going to help change the world. It's going to be awesome. And then there's the other part of me that's like, Oh God, he's going to have to go through, he's going to have to sit through a PLC or he's going to have to, you know, go through a, you know, professional, <laughs> professional development. That's such a waste. And then, and if he doesn't get, the right place. He's going to feel disrespected. I'm like, Oh no, you know? Um, but we're in that process. And, uh, I I will tell you this, that I've, it, that speech worked for me because I'm so similar to my dad. Uh, you know, you knock me down I'm going to get back up. And I, you know what, you know, how many times I'm going to get back up one more time than you knock me down. Yeah. That that's just kind of my mentality. It's, you know, I'm just going to keep getting up and keep getting up and keep getting up. And that doesn't work for everybody. And the dumbest thing you can do as a parent, a teacher, a coach, a mentor, a boss, whatever, is to force somebody into a role that doesn't work for them. Great um, advice. You know, Excellent. I, I, the, the athletes that I've had where I've yelled at them once and I've been like, never doing that again. That failed miserably. And other ones where I've been like, it's okay, buddy. You're all right. You know, let's keep working yeah. with this. And they look at me like, why didn't you yell at me? I need to be right. yelled at. And I was like, Oh, well yeah. you just need to tell me <laughs> we'll yeah. get on it. So yeah. um, in my own family, I, you know, I saw uh, people that were forced to go off to the university and it, it wasn't right. It wasn't right for them. So I did, I had a quasi, we kind of had a little father son trip that actually got cut short. Uh, so we were riding back from the airport and I was like, Hey, what do you think you're going to do? And, and I finally just said, Hey, I got you. You know, I love you. I got you. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you graduate from high school, it's like, you're not living here rent-free. You know, you're trying, okay, to, figure, yeah. you're trying to figure stuff out and you want to go, you know, you, you want to stack boxes somewhere. It's cool. You're, and, and you can stay here, but you're going to pay. Now, I mean, he doesn't know that I'm going to give him that money back eventually, but yeah. I need him to, to kind of be on his own because the... I respect that. I like that. The, yeah. the failure to launch around here is a real thing. But on the other hand, the the system that we have built, I think the golden age of everybody go to the university is is past mm-hmm. because yeah. it is so ridiculously expensive. And sure. we've worked really hard. And again, my you know, my dad's dumped a whole bunch of money into their college funds. It's almost like I'm like, sweet. But mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I just want to spend it because what if we're just wasting it? You know, yeah. like, hey, did you did you have, you know, did you have 18 months to, to party and have a good time? Because that's all you got out of it, you know? Right. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's the, the force is a bad idea. No, I told, I totally agree with that, man. I think that, I think that's great advice as well. Now I'm curious. I think I know the answer to this just by judging by your demeanor and the, the way that you are, but did you know when you stepped on the, on the foot, uh, stepped foot on the campus at Toledo that you wanted to be a coach? Not at all. Okay. Not, well, I, I got not, that one wrong. Not at all. Yeah. I, I knew I was going <laughs> to curveball you there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I knew that by the time I got to the university, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I, I, I valued the, the, the teachers, the, um, 
you know, with, with my, my own personal experience, my, uh, my mom is obviously Irish oldest of nine. Uh, I had a lot of aunts and uncles in my life. Uh, and my parents loved me a whole lot, but they, uh, they kind of struggled with each other. They, they, married and had my brother and I, and they divorced after 11 years. And yeah. that was kind of some rough times, you know, yeah. living with my, yeah. my mom and my brother, and we didn't have any money. My dad remarried somebody relatively quickly. And then my mom remarried somebody else. They ended up divorcing those people. They remarried each other again. So Interesting. They, married each other, yeah. they married each other a second time. And I remember thinking like I was on, I was, I was going from um, elementary to junior high yeah. And, and I remember thinking in my brain, like, you guys are idiots. It didn't work the first time. Like, what makes you think it's going to work this time? And then having that, like, Hey, you're just a kid. You don't know what you're talking about, but, but I was right. It did not last. And they ended yeah. up kind yeah. of divorcing uh, much more on fun uh, than the first time. Sure, and, uh, sure. I ended up doing my last, uh, you know, year and a half of, uh, of high school with just my dad, my brother yeah. had already left and yeah. my mom was gone. So it was just my dad and I, and, uh, and he's working full time. So I was kind of raising myself a little bit and, right. you know, thank God I had the right kind of things. Cause th there's a lot of opportunities to find poor decisions sure. and I made a few of them, but I got away with enough that I survived. Um, but that, um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted it to, to make a difference in other people's lives and, and get that extra help out. Cause e even with, you know, the, my parents were so, you know, they were focused on their, their relationships or starting their jobs or, you know, building the company and all they, they love me a ton, but there's a big, big difference between what your teacher or coach can say to you and what your parents can say to you. And I didn't think, I just didn't think I was good enough to be a coach. And, um, actually right here, you can't see it. It's on the other side of my, my picture here, but the, uh, my uncle, my dad's brother was a, uh, a basketball and a volleyball coach. Mm. Um, and he, I still have this, this, Oh, God, I, I got to bring this picture down for you. It's a great picture of him in the in the seventies coaching with he's got like a like that houndstooth, uh, uh, what the Alabama guy? Oh my God, I lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, he used to wear the hat. Help me. Oh, uh, Bear Bryant. Thank you, God. I can't. Oh, sorry. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's got like Bear Bryant style pants. And yeah. He's got his head down with a towel around his head, and like, and his manager sitting next to him, just like totally oblivious to the the heartbreak that he's wearing. You know, he's doing. He's got the He's got the, uh, the cousin Eddie uh, patent yeah. leather shoes on, the white ones. And I just, I still have it. Every once in a while, I got to look up to that and kind of smile. But he, uh, he's in Arizona. Uh, he left uh, for his, his health. He needed a drier climate. Mm -hmm. And also he was in, in Ohio. Like you just, they were like, hey, as long as you coach for 15, 20 years, then you can be a head coach. And he's like, I can't wait that long. And so he moved to Arizona, which is, you know, like Texas. Yeah. It was booming at the time. And so he only had to work for like two, three years before he got himself a head position. And that's all he wanted to do was be a basketball coach and a history teacher. And, um, you know, I would see him every couple of years in the summer. And after I was teaching, he, uh, cause I was, I was teaching in a leaf, uh, I wasn't coaching. I was, I was actually at an intermediate school. I was taught sixth grade and he's like, well, what are you coaching down there? And I was like, oh, I'm not coaching. He goes, why not? And I was like, well, I mean, it's, you know, Texas, it's football. And I never played football. And I, he's like, well, God, he was wrestling track. He goes, why aren't you, why aren't you coaching? Yeah. He goes, you could coach softball. He goes, you can coach football too. He goes, just, just your coach. And I was like, well, I'm not a coach. And he went, I know you, I've seen the way you talk about your kids in your class. He goes, you're a great teacher. Yeah. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And he goes, that means you're a great coach. Yep. If you like, he goes, it's just the subject matter. Do you want to coach? Do you like to teach? Well, it's the same thing. Are you teaching them how to, you know, how to do a kick, kick flip on the, you know, on a, 
uh, you know, swimming or are you, you know, you're teaching them, you know, totally how to solve for, you know, two variables in math. And I was like, and then I, I kind of started looking around and I, I actually, my story is kind of crazy that I, I, um, I transferred, I wanted to get up to high school. And so I took my, uh, my English test and I ended up getting a job at May Creek and I was not hired as a coach. I was just hired as a, you know, as an English teacher and they had, they had just had one year of wrestling under their belt. And so I got hired, never talked to anybody about wrestling in any way, shape or form. I was teaching freshmen and sophomores. I had a split class and they loved me because I didn't complain about doing a split class or not split, like, you know, having a split schedule. And I was yeah. like, it's fun. And I was enjoying it. And I didn't, I didn't even contact the wrestling coach on campus until like October. And he actually, he wasn't on campus. He was across the, uh, he was across the Creek at May Creek at the junior high. Yeah. So he taught, he taught like this, uh, uh kind of like, not woodworking, but like a wood shopish yeah. kind of class. And then he would come over and work out with the kids in the afternoon. And I, I was like, yeah, I might be willing to help. And I had a, I had a couple of kids in class and like, yeah, come out, come out. And I couldn't tell if they were like, yeah, we want to, we want to piece you on the wrestling mat. Or <laughs> if they were like, we need more help. Yeah. And I ended up, I came to the very first practice. I emailed them once, came to the very first practice and was like, Hey, I'm here to help. And I never, I never stopped. And I actually, I was on paid assistant that very first year. Yeah. That was, it started with it. I was like, Oh, this is where else I belong. Cause I could, it's a different chance to connect with kids and, and make that difference. So, no, I didn't think I was going to be a coach. I never thought like if, if 2023, you know, Mike DeMarchi was talking to 1995 DeMarchi, it would be, it would be like, no, no, you're not. Well, gonna be a coach. coach, I mean, you, you joined 62.5% of my other guests that they did not enter college. I always keep that stat because I find it interesting. The majority of my guests who are all winning awards, you know, for coach of the year and all these different things. They did not think they were going to coach. So I always say that, like, if you never know if you're called to do it. You love kids and you love just impacting people and teaching. Like you said, definitely it's never too late. So I thought that was pretty cool. But let's talk about how it happened. I know with my wife, uh, she's from the Detroit area originally and went to school in Findlay, Ohio. We talked about the Rust Belt, you know, and the recession and things of that nature. No jobs were to be had for her uh, as a new teacher. And so she, her, her, uh, basically, um, Galena Park ISD had kind of come to her college to recruit teachers. <laughs> and I, I know that happens quite a bit. So is that your same story? Did, did, uh, Katie ISD or the A Leaf ISD, I take it then, come up to uh, Toledo? Yeah. It's, uh, it was really funny because, uh, the, again, sadly very segregated north it was if you were going to go to inner city school you might get a job you might yeah but if you were going to stick around to a suburban school where you kind of had a chance to actually teach as far as we were concerned then it was like an opening would happen first of all the baby boomers they still had another 15 20 years to go if not more and so they were basically like a job would open up and it would be like one sixth grade class would open up self-contained 450 applicants right and you're fresh out of college you're like there's no freaking way there's no way you had to know somebody and i didn't know enough people in the toledo area and i never even came home to look in the cleveland area you know i had connections my dad did work in the school district for a little bit and he still knew a bunch of people and i you know i i, I uh, actually i won a scholarship for a future educator uh, you know when i graduated from high school so i was like you know they thought that much of me but there was no openings there was nothing yeah. and i didn't bother to look and i um, our education directors at the time, they told us like, hey, you need to go to this job fair, maybe find a job, maybe don't. But we're telling you, go for interview practice, go yeah, for interview yeah. practice. 
And so I went for interview practice and, and I remember like I walked up and down, I kind of did like a sweep. I went through and looked at all the places and I was like, Colorado, that's so cool, but yeah. I can't afford to live there. And then it was like Baltimore city schools. Okay. Um, I thought I can't remember. There was another city that was kind of like, it was in decline. Uh, and it, it, I don't even think it, it wasn't Detroit, but it was another one of those kind of city schools. Right. And then it was at the time, um, I think KDISD was there. I never interviewed with them, but it was HISD, Aldean, Aleaf. And you're like, you'd walk yep. by and like, who is this? And like, what does ISD mean? I never knew what that meant because that's not how Ohio works. And it was like, oh, independent school district. And it was like, where are you from? Oh, well, that's obviously Houston. They had they had like yeah. those sheriff's badges they were handing out, which was kind of funny. Guy was in a, in a cowboy hat and he was really playing it up. Uh, but I, I interviewed at the A-Leaf and they were starting, uh, uh, they're starting to do intermediate school. And it was like, I went for interview practice and left with a job. And Which was, school is this? O'Donnell? No, no, no. Uh, Clinsman. Uh, O'Donnell's the uh, one of the junior highs. Clinsman Intermediate was it was it's a fifth six split. Oh, I see. So they do a fifth. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, fifth six. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, there was a couple of them at the time, and um, actually somebody I went to school with, and it was like you know you, Toledo's a huge school. It's a giant Division One school, uh, but when you get into like those education classes, you kind of have to take this one, then this one, then this mm. one, then you know everything's kind of a progression until you wind up you know, really getting close with like the same, you know, 25, 30 people. Sure. Where you're like, Oh, Hey, I'll see you at seven o'clock tonight. Right. Yep. Yep. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, so you ended up making a lot of good friends with that. And one of the uh, girls that I was there with, cause I was an elementary ed. My dad told me I was never going to get a job as a high school teacher. Cause you're a man, go to elementary. You're going to have a shop. So um, she we ended up getting a, a, uh, a place in the same school. And it was, you know, just, I was the only person I knew. Uh, my aunt was a teacher in Houston. She actually, she knew the principal I was uh, interviewing with. And she said, he's a great guy. You'll love Houston. It'll be really neat. And literally by the time she had left and I had started, it was like 10 years and Houston's a totally different place. I'm like, I'm talking about, you know, she was like, oh, Copperfield was just being built. And right. everybody wanted to go to Copperfield. And I'm like, that's like the middle of the suburbs at this point, you know, it's still expanding. She's like, no, there's nothing past Copperfield. I was like, mm, there is. <laughs> there's actually there's actually a lot. And if she saw it now, she'd probably just die. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship. And it was like, hey, chance to reinvent yourself and go try something new. And so I uh, I loaded up my car and I had, a, I had a computer. I had a bunch of books and I had some clothes. And uh, believe it or not, I had a cat. I don't know if that kind of makes me less of a man or not, but he's my buddy. <laughs> And uh, and we I little Chevy Cavalier and I uh, oh yeah I rolled down rolled down to Houston and had nothing, you know and like we were talking about in the last podcast I, yeah. I slept on the floor for a month yeah uh, and because uh, I it was <laughs> they're like hey how small is that apartment like it doesn't matter like I only need about twenty five square feet you know but it right <laughs> and uh, Just need a place to lay my head down at night <laughs> yes and then when the people the because the school we were at uh, Clemson is a really interesting experience because. It was, um, I think it was like, it was 23 fifth grade and 23 sixth grade. And so they hired all these new teachers to bring it up. So like the, like the median age of teachers was like 25. Wow. Dang. Like some of my best friends, I uh, still, that, that. Those are probably some fun, happy day. hours after school. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly what kind of podcast this is or what I can tell you, <laughs> what I can't tell you, but, uh, 
yeah it was it was kind of crazy uh yeah it, but it, it was good times because it was right. like this it worked so hard and we would yeah. you know yeah. it, it, we had an eight to four schedule and so like at four o'clock we we're like we we're ushering the kids out and at five o'clock we you know we were down on the we're back there at the campus oh. on saturday coach you kind of you kind of cut out there for that whole oh, time you said after five o'clock then oh, you cut out. we were we were down there in the richmond strip we were yeah uh, that, that was the yeah. place back then right that's uh, yeah, i know right my, by, some of my older coaches always tell me that was yeah. the spot if we wanted we want a calm night we'd go to richmond arms you know but the i've been to that uh, bit it's like a british pub right yep and it was right across <laughs> the street from the the outback not the steakhouse but the the uh the restaurant and the bar and now, I don't want to get this too off topic, but I got to ask you this because you've been at Seven Lakes for a long time. Did you know my friend Derek Ruthart in, when he was coaching at Seven Lakes? Oh, my God. You're, what did he coach in what year? I, he was, since it it was football, and it was probably like 07. Like, so it had to be like our first couple of years. Was, yeah. Kevin O'Keefe. He was um, with Coach O'Keefe. You know, I, the, the name doesn't strike me, but I know I worked with him because we were so small yeah. back then. What, did he, what else was he teaching? Oh, he's a math teacher. I, I, I and like and if you show me a picture, I'm like, oh yeah. I'm sure uh, you'll 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 cross paths with Ruthar someday. He's good friends of, of Hammond. And I know Oprah, I know but, the name. Yeah. I know I know the name, but I just it's and that, it's such a shame. But I'm getting to that age where it's like I'll run into kids and they're like, coach, and I'm like, did I have you last year? And they're like, no, I graduated in 06. I have a wife and four kids. And you're like, okay, I, my memory <laughs> is not good. I, I don't have a strong memory, but it's still funny, coach. It's like I can't remember stuff that happened yesterday. But I can remember things from like 25, 30 years ago. Like, and I'll never forget them. And one of those things, I used to always read the Dave Campbell's football magazine. Like it was like, you know, my Bible, you know, or whatever. And I, I would always read and I'd read all the district previews. And for whatever reason, one time I watched Maid Creek play a game at Mercer Stadium. They, they came in to play in Fort Bend, kind of where I'm from. And I just remember before that game, reading the, the magazine. And I always remember the name Joe Sheffy. And I know that he went on for a long coaching career. And I, I remember the name Andre Arose who was like y'all star tight end at that time in the late 90s. And so anyway, those are two names that just are seared into my head from Maid Creek Rams football. But I'm just curious, your time at Maid Creek or Coach Sheffy or any any little stories stories you want to share about your Maid Creek experience? Um, Sheffy was great. He was my first athletic director. But, well, like I said, at the, that very first year, I was, I was an unpaid assistant. Um, we didn't have the position. And, you know, they were like, hey, this guy's willing to come in every day. They're like, don't bother him. Let, let him. Yeah. And I, I didn't miss a practice. I did everything. Uh, and that year, uh, two or three kids make it as uh, alternates to states. We didn't actually get to wrestle there. And I, I went to everything. I, you know, and, and they, they took care of me, uh, but I wasn't getting paid. Uh, the following year, they're like, okay, we're going to add assistance. So they did two years at, in KDISD without assistance. So they go ahead and they added the assistant coach. And I, I put together this, you know, this resume and a bunch of other things. And I went in there like all kind of like, you know, cold sweat and was like, uh, <laughs> Coach Sheffy. And he was, you know, I, I was catching him right in his kind of his down period between it was between athletic periods. And he yeah. was all like, Sheffy was at everything. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was like Coach Hammond. He was like, he, he was there in the morning. He was there at night. He just, he basically, he slept in a coffin under the desk. So he was there for everything. <laughs> so I, I, I catch him in a, I catch him in a downtime and he's, he's kind of, kind of rolling through the internet and he's leaned back in his chair a little bit. And I was like, uh, coach Effie, sir. And he's, and he kind of looks over his shoulder at me. And he's like, uh-huh. And I went, <laughs> I would like to officially apply for that assistant position. And he went, job. I said, yes, sir. I do. And he goes, yours. 
and he went back to the internet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. You know, and then the even funnier that the next year, the uh, the head coach is going to go home to Wyoming where, where his family's from. And same story. I got my resume together. I had worked so hard. I wanted to take a shot. I was 28, did not deserve to be a head coach. And I still was doing dumb stuff because I'm 28. Yeah. And Coach Jeffy, I'd like to officially, you know, and he goes, you want the job? I said, yes. And he went, hey, it's yours. And oh, I was like, my God. Well, that, and I, and I left with that, like, heck yeah, I got it. And then I was like, well, that was kind of easy. And then I kind of had this like crash overwhelming, like, do you know you're in charge of everything now? Like, are you right. ready for this? You moron. And I was like, well, maybe I, 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 I and I just kind of freaked out for a day or two. And then I kind of worked some plans and got it together. But Joe was so great to work for uh, because he kind of had that, that country way about him. Yeah. And I cannot imagine, you know, at 28, I did a lot of yelling. I did a lot, yeah. lot of yelling and, and questioned the manhood of every kid that came in the room. And it was, I didn't really know what worked for me again, not forcing people it's a dumb thing, but what worked for me is that I didn't feel like I was talented enough. So I'm just going to outwork everybody. Yeah. And so I made my kids, you know, outwork everybody. And it was just, it was brutal. It was like the baton death march every day coming out of practice. Right, right. And I can only imagine how many times he had to take care of me behind my back. Somebody was complaining and uh, he was just, it was great to work for when I was young and dumb and he, he always supported us. Um, man, he was, he was at every, every event, every time we wrestled, I would turn around and he, you know, if we we're on campus. He was there. Uh, you know, he was, he was so great. And he knew every kid's name. Um, you know, he, he was almost as supportive as coach Hammond is where he was like, and, and, and I don't know if you ever talked to Joe, but Joe's, I've never had there. pleasure of meeting him actually. No, I just know he's the a, name. Yeah. He's, a, he's quite the character and he's very direct. And I remember like, we kind of were in the hallway together with a kid and I was trying to, you know, get him in the room cause I needed more bodies. And he played, he played for Joe. And I think, I think he was a receiver. And back then, like they didn't throw the ball. And mm -hmm. so like this kid was like fifth or sixth on the receiver depth chart in his grade, you know, and they didn't throw the ball. And the kid's like, oh, I'm going to work out and get big and fast. And Joe goes, you need to wrestle, son. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you just need to wrestle. He goes, you want to keep coming out? He goes, that's fine. He goes, you need to wrestle where you can beat everybody up your size. And the kid, and like the kid looked at him like, what are you talking about? And he went, go with that man. And I was like, come here. And I just <laughs> took him in the room and he ended up being a great kid, great wrestler for us. But, you know, just that, that stuff, he, he was, he was so supportive of all the kids. Uh, he was, he was a lot of fun uh, to be around. Um, you know, he, he, he's one of those guys that he put the kids first in everything. He really did put the kids first in everything. And, you know, he's, how he's still around, you know, that, you know, we needed a few people in Peyto this year and, you know, I'm sure you know that story. And he, stepped up and filled the role for a little yep. bit. And I think he's, he's going to coach until the, you know, until it doesn't work anymore for him. Like, I think he's going to die on the sideline. So. I want, I want to ask you this question. Cause I know, you know, you, you, you talk about the seventies and, you know, the eighties and stuff like that and growing up in those times. And did you ever watch the movie vision quest? 
I'm a wrestler, so I have it memorized. Come on. I was going to ask you, because I've never seen it, but I, 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 I listen to a podcast that talks about sports movies, which I love, called Big Screen Sports. You, you subscribe to that, you know. And, uh, anyway, they, they brought up the movie Vision Quest, and I had never heard of um, a movie about wrestling specifically like that, and high school wrestling specifically. And so, I don't know. I've just heard that everyone who was a high school wrestler, they love this movie the same way I love Major League, and it sounds like that's true. <laughs> we, uh, we used to uh, – we didn't go home on our home duels we would finish school and especially I, i'm poor i didn't have a car so i wouldn't where am i gonna go yeah. and i was like i couldn't eat anything so we couldn't go anywhere so if i just stayed on campus i was more likely to make weight and not do anything so we used to we used to go in the football uh, meeting room which to call it a meeting room compared to what the facilities we have in texas a yeah little shack uh but <laughs> they had uh scott and the booster club to get them a rear projection big screen you know so it's <laughs> like a 45 inch you know with that big you know the big three colored lights you know yeah. we used to watch vision quest and it was like it was like a cult film with us because it was sure. like the rocker you know picture show where everybody's we would we were louder than the movie because we knew all the words and everything and and i for real wrestlers this is kind of sacrilege because more than half of that movie is a love story it's about the kid coming of age and right. so i told that to my son because there, there's some pretty there's some hard art kind of topics in there some sex stuff and yeah. Um, I told my kid when he got old enough, I was like, okay, it's time you need to watch this. I go, but it's a little bit of a love story. And so he finished it and he's like, yeah, he goes, it's totally a love story. But, you know, all the wrestling stuff, the, the, it's not just the romanticism of the, the weight cut because he was going from 190 to 160 to take on the best kid in the state. Um, it's not just that. It's just the idea of that, you know, hey, it, it starts out with him saying that I'm 18, I wasn't ready for it. And, this is the year I make my mark because I haven't done anything yet. And it's time right. to do something. And if it doesn't matter if like I, our old baseball team used to show it to their kids. Cause it was, it was like, again, this is the year I make my mark. This is the year I do something. And the, with the weight cut, cause I know that was a big, the reason why he chose that weight class. Cause he wanted to, he wanted to feel what it was like to step into the ring with the, the mat with the best, right. That, yeah, that's yeah. why he chose that specific weight class there. Let me ask you this though. And, and I, my brother is a head wrestling coach actually in Oklahoma and my brother went to school at Fort Bend <laughs> Travis. And so we didn't have wrestling. We've talked about this on our other podcast. So Fort Bend kids, you know, we didn't wrestle. Um, so he never had that background. He he became an assistant at Princeton High School in Texas, who has uh, in the Metroplex area that has a good wrestling program. And right. I think that co coach name was Coach Laverne, I believe. But anyhow, he, he learned under him. He learned some background in wrestling as an assistant. And now Kiefer, Oklahoma, started wrestling for the first time. So he, he started a brand new wrestling program. It's been, it's really been really, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him for going because it, it it is hard to start like purchasing the mat the mat and getting your room set up and like all the singlets and the headgear and everything he's had to purchase from scratch, and um, it's been really cool. But I think the the question of the weight cut is something that that he's kind of wrestled with, no pun intended. Uh, but being being a football coach and and being at a very small school where a lot of these kids are having to do a lot, he and also someone who does has not actually wrestled, he's never done a weight cut in his life. He stays away from that. You know, uh, he tries to kind of more let them wrestle within their natural body weight. Of course, I mean, in certain situations, a very competitive athlete making, a, you know, a, a, a reasonable drop, you know, he, he supports that if, if it, you know, can help it further their career. But I'm just curious your your thoughts on that, because from first question from the movie, a 30 pound weight drop. Is that possible or is that this Hollywood kind of over romanticizing um, that or let me just curious about weight drops. It's something I've always kind of wondered about cutting weight. That when that movie came out, that was kind of the heyday of whatever you got to do to get there, get there. And you have to remember that the, you know, like, like for giggles, if you have a reliable scale, 
weigh yourself in the morning after you get up and, and hit the potty and then yeah. weigh yourself after dinner. And you're like, what happened? Right. Well, sure. You, you run the water out of your system. And right. so what you, what you step on the scale at is never what you're competing at. And the, the trick is like, if you watching the UFC stuff, they weigh in the day before. And so those guys look like they're you know ready Correct. to die and they have like 18 to 24 hours to recover. We have one hour. Sometimes, sometimes two in a larger tournament, but we don't have the time to mess with that. So we're we're very careful, and we talk about nutrition, we talk about weight management. Right. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the in the um, uh, the practice facility talking about managing that correctly and what you're. We also well, everything's so much more scientific, where we have to have the kids um, they have to get certified in a, in a certification process uh, through National Federation. IL has adopted is that before they can wrestle on the varsity level, they have to go to a hydration test, which means you have to, you have to pee in a cup and prove that it's clear, which is, yeah, I guarantee I've been watching you sipping on your coffee today. I bet you fail that test right now. I will fail it right now too. Cause it, it's color-based and it is to like to be truly hydrated is not easy work. Sure. You have to really drink at it. So we teach them how to do that. And they, they pass the hydration test. And is the second you pass the hydration test in your singlet, you step on the scale, they give you your alpha weight, then you step off and they do the old school pinchers and give you yeah. your, you know, your millimeter readings that gets fed into a computer. And then it tell it spits out and says, this is the lowest weight class that you're allowed to go. And by rule, we're only allowed to drop 1.5% per week when it's yeah. broken down per day. So if I have a kid that is wrestling at 126 pounds and he's like, Oh, I really want to have the week off. Can I go to 132? And it's like, okay, you go up to 132. And if he actually weighs 132 pounds, it's going to be three weeks before he's legally allowed to go back down to 126. So okay. everything is monitored way more carefully. Because in, in my day, they were like, I I, I wrestled uh, 171, a little bit of 160. And <clears throat> twice they said, can you make 152? And I was like, sure, I can make 152. Because coach asked me to. And it was brutal, very unsafe, scary. Right, and, right, right. and I remember the, the time that I did make it for them, they put me out there and they had me warming up showing showing that I was going to go and so and put somebody else out there and I was like I just are what but again I I wasn't I like I wasn't that great um but I'm very careful about it where uh we weigh the kids out every day after practice and we're kind of keeping our eye on it there's some kids that can manage the, uh, you know, a whole lot better than others. And the, uh, the only rule that we had when we were weight cutting in, in, uh, in high school was we weren't allowed to be mean to our mother. If you're mean to your mother, your coach is like, that's it. You're out. Yeah. yeah. And we, what our rule is we're watching them as they're practicing. And if anybody looks like they're overly done and tired, we go, did you, did you eat? Did you do what you're supposed to do? And they're like, well, not really. You're like, okay, well you're, you're out for this week. And you have to be willing to sit your best kids or move them up. It's in it. It's a, it's a really close thing. I, I'm very careful about the, the kids, not, uh, not just for football, but if I have a choice for a football player between two weight classes, we're always going to choose higher. Sure. Always going to choose higher unless we've had that conversation like, Hey, this kid would be so much better if he exactly that yep. off of him. And I'm like, yep. Hey, done. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, but typically we're always kind of going between the two. So uh, communication is key with the, you know, the football program. It's like, Hey, 
I know you want your, you know, your running back to be at this size. He's going to wrestle 10 pounds lower than you want him to be. But by the time he comes back to you for spring football, he'll actually be above that weight because we're going to put it right back on and do it the, do it the right way. But it, um, it's, it, it's, it's an evil in our sport. And I'm, I'm telling you what we do now compared to what we've done in the past. Oh my God. It is so much more improved. And, um, good. Uh, you're always given a, a two pound growth allowance. Usually happens in January. Ours happens at the very end of December. And, um, in that two pound growth allowance that changes the weight class. So 106 is no longer 106. It's 108. So for the kids that I know, they're going to have to do a little bit more tight managing. Um, I have them wrestle the, the higher weight class for the first half of the season. And then over the break, we go ahead and we move six, seven kids all down at the same time. So, you know, I had a, I had a senior that was wrestling a hundred, uh, one was 106, the other one was 126 this year. And, and I knew they could do a lot of really great things in the first half of the season, but it was better for them to wrestle at 113 and 132. And then when we got to that second half of the season, I was like, Hey, how's the weight management? They're like, easy money. I got it. Cause they yeah. had, they weren't burnt out. They weren't, yeah. you get sick, you get, you get tired. You, you're, you can't recover from the, the workouts that we do. So if we could not do it I, I, someday, I wish that we would just do mat side weigh-ins where you have to weigh in right before you wrestle with whatever your, you know, your single, your headgear, your knee pad, your shoes, right. and everything. And then that way everyone is going to wrestle at their actual natural body weight instead of trying to mess with the system. But sure. There's, there's still a few things to go and it's, you know, um, that that large weight cut, it's not safe, you know. And, and I have I have a son that you know he he decided to drop a weight class, and I didn't really want him to. And he was like, no, no, it's I feel like I could be more competitive there. And it ended up biting us where the you know he did a great job of managing, did a great you know did everything right. Uh, but the weight class got a little bit more stacked by the time we got to districts and it was like, right. Sure, we ended up taking fifth because everyone else might have that same strategy, right? Like I want to get into this weight class, so yeah. suddenly now it's crowded. We just never well, actually, what actually hurt us is somebody moved up. Somebody oh, okay. that, you know, we, uh, for them at the state level, they thought there'd be more competitive a weight class up and they moved up and they're like, dang, I wouldn't count. Right. Them. Sure. So, and I mean, I, I'm really happy to hear that all those safeguards are in place. And I found it interesting. You said the rule was don't be mean to your mother. Cause again, I've never seen vision quest, but listening to the recap on big screen sports, I think, uh, Matthew Modine's character loud. And I think he did say some kind of maybe inappropriate things to his, his love interest, Carla, you know, played by Linda right. Fiorentino. And so, but they had a re- they had a former wrestler weigh in and just also he said keep in mind when you're going through these extreme weight cuts it can affect your mood oh <laughs> so that's interesting that you brought that up that don't be me because like that probably was something in your era when guys are going through extreme weight cuts about all this supervision it probably did severely impact your mood to where you're being bad to people at times I, I can fully understand kind of that that sentiment but okay so pretty cool there um next thing I wanted to ask you about coach you know and I always talk about this on the show. Like now I'm in broadcasting. I hear a lot more stuff in the stands and sometimes it's negative. And that, that's what I really hate. Cause I'm all about the positivity of athletics. And you know, when you're coaching football, you definitely don't hear any of it. It can be bad in a basketball gym. Now the wrestling environment, I've been, I've been to a regional wrestling uh, tournament, you know, in Oklahoma to watch my brother. And literally I, I'm, I, 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 I'm not kidding you coach. A, a fight broke out right in the row behind me. <laughs> Two moms. Got yeah. into it, and they literally came tumbling over down the bleachers and landed in the the, the feet area next to me. <laughs> and I was like, "Where am I? <laughs> what is going it's, on?" It's here? always the moms. It's never the yep. dads. It's the moms. <laughs> but, you know, wrestling. And I, I uh, Jimmy Hammond, and Jimmy invited me out to Merrill Center. I, I did get to watch a little bit of your district meet, and I, that I'm was sorry, really dude. fun. But yeah, r- wrestling is intense, 
and I think it's the, the not only is it it's a, all sports are intense, but the physical aspect of it, it's almost it's the closest we can get to UFC, you know, mm-hmm. in high school athletics. And I I think that kind of brings out the primal side of all of us deep down inside, you know, and I've just seen the fans. They can get very intense. So I'm asking you in wrestling. Do you see negative behavior from parents or is it just so loud and chaotic and so many matches going that you can't hear what's happening in the stands? Um, you know, I, again, I listen to a lot of your podcasts and the, the, the negative parents that are tearing on the coach, uh, man, it, it breaks my heart. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I got kids, you know, I, I, I don't coach my kids and all the things that they've ever done. Uh, and I understand it where you're like, Oh, I wouldn't have done that. Or why is this coach doing that? And it, right. it's painful. And I, I spend a lot of time with my kids like, Hey, here are the lessons you're supposed to learn from this negative experience because every experience can be positive. You know, what happens to you is not your call. How you react to it is your decision. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time with that, but um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, when I was at May Creek, I went to a lot of, you know, events when I'm here at seven lakes, I go to all kinds of stuff and um, a great uh, kind of, a, you know, how it wraps up is there, or, you know, summarizes is that I'm, I'm at Rhodes and we're on the visitor side. So there's, you know, if you've been at Rhodes, there's kind of nowhere to hide from the sun and it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of tight. Right. So I, sure. I went up to the very top and I was just kind of, I was hanging back there. There was a little bit of a breeze and there was a dad that was like pacing. He was just like pacing. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's going to be a fool. And at the, at the time we had a, we had a really, uh, in a really cool tailback and the kid was pretty small. So we didn't run off tackle. We ran a lot of, you know, outside stuff. Mm-hmm. And, this is, you know, we're like sweep left, sweep right, sweep left, sweep left, sweep right. And he is pacing. And every time that they don't get six to eight yards, he is screaming, come on, coach. Come on, coach. You got to run something else. Come on, coach. Right. And I was like, and there's a part of me that like, I just, I just wanted to tackle him. And I was like, this guy's a fool. Then we get into another situation. And instead of running that sweep, we ran something else and it didn't work. <laughs> you know what his response was? Come on, coach. You put your best kid out there. And I was like, but you were just bitching for 20 minutes about how we were running the same play. And I was like, there's, there's no chance for you to win. Uh, you know, when those, the, those parents, you know, the, the, the baseball daddies and the you yeah. know, football and, and, and the soccer, they, they all played. So they all know the play you're supposed to run. They all know how, what they would. Do. And um, you know, communication is really important. Uh, I know that you can kind of divorce yourself from that situation because you're in football, you got your headset on, you're protected by the, the stands. Yeah. I, I've had parents come down, not to complain to me, but like they, they're coming down, they're on the corner of the mat. They're on the edge of the mat and they're screaming for their kid. And you're like, dude, you belong up in the stands. Sure. Yeah. Yep. The, one of the things that, that we do get that insulates us a little bit is most people complain about playing time. Right. And in wrestling, you kind of can't complain about playing time because sure. yeah. you got it. You got to beat that kid. You beat that kid. You're the starter. Now there's always a few factors like, Hey, you move this kid down and that, that, that screwed my kid or, mm-hmm. or you're not, you're not giving my kid the, the best time and effort, you know? And again, it's, it's because they're having a negative experience. So you got to communicate. Um, you know, we, we still have that. And, and my wife would, when she was young and a fan, she was there all the time for everything. When the kids got older, it was a little bit harder, but now that my son's in the, you know, in the program, uh, I am a huge overthinker. I'm always worried that I'm doing somebody wrong. Sure. So like, I'm like, what do you hear? What do you hear? What are they saying? She's like, no, no, they love you because you love the kids. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Put the kids first, put the kids first. Um, I think it's a shame that, that we allow the, the negative behavior. KDIC is really good about it. Um, you know, when somebody acts the fool, when, when the district athletic director knows that parent's name, uh, that's bad. <laughs> and, yeah. and they, uh, I've known 
not, not like I've sat in it, but I've known story after story where the district AD is making those parents sit up at, you know, legacy and sit and talk to them and going like, you are not representing KBIs. Debbie not. Decker. Oh yeah. Kudos yeah. to Debbie. And I've always respected her from afar. I mean, I, Obviously, my day job is with Dactronics, and your your scoreboard video equipment at the stadiums is Dactronics. So I know Debbie Decker, and I've always respected her leadership, but I didn't know that portion. And I've, that coach is that is so powerful, man. That is, and I know you listen to my podcast, and I had that experience where actually a friend of mine who's a head basketball coach in the area, I had parents openly talking bad about them, about him. And then when I shared that, hey, that's my friend they instantly kind of turned on me even a little bit. Things, <laughs> things got really kind of uncomfortable. And it was that moment where I was at a crossroads of like, as the game went on and they were just bad mouthing the coach and bad mouthing players and bad mouthing, yelling at officials during quiet timeouts, just yelling at officials. Yes. I really thought, do I say something? I ended up deciding not to, which I think was a good decision. I think had I engaged them, it just would have escalated, you know, but I should have talked to an administrator, but I guess I never thought of that. And my, some of my guests have, have, have told me that Kovo, yeah, tell the administrator. And that makes me feel good that in KDISD, when people report things to to Debbie Decker or Lance Carter, you know, people, people in the administrative staff, they hold people accountable and it is better coming from them than me. I'm just a guy. They don't respect me, but you know, someone is a, uh, you know, representative of the district. That's awesome. Coach. I had no idea. You know, I, I kind of gotten on one of those weird situations because my daughter's a freshman here and she plays volleyball. And uh, great experience. We love the coaches. Yeah. She's doing, she's having a fantastic experience. And you go to all those volleyball games and, you know, anything that's subjective, the parents are going to go nuts on. So they're after the official because the, the most subjective thing in volleyball is that when you set that ball and your hands hit at different times, it's a double hit. Sure, that's, sure, that's sure. It. That's the point. And, you know, some of those parents are like, oh, who paid you? Who paid you? And I'm like, man, they ain't getting paid nothing. Shut up. But, I can't say anything because I'm sitting in the stands and half the time I'm sitting in the stands and I still have my ID on from the mm-hmm. day, you know, also so I can get into the event, you know, but <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a seven lakes wrestling polo shirt. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my khakis from teaching from the day and I'm sort of a representative, but I'm also my, you know, my kid's dad. And uh, we had one where one of our parents got a little bit, you know, a little bit too fired up. The ref gave him a look down and I was like, okay, I hope that's it. And then at at the break, he got off the stand and he went to the, uh, you know, the administrator on duty and nothing else happened further, but, but it's always there for them. It's always there for them. And there, there was a part of me that like, if our parent went one step further, I'd have been like, Hey, you know, I get you, but please, please stop. Uh, Please stop. But I, I, it's, it's, oh my God, I don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. I, I have had to not exactly have meetings, but uh, one of the biggest things for me is that. I'll have our parents that like, Hey, in order for my kid to advance, that kid has to lose the other kid over there. We need him to lose. And so they're, they were at one point I had a parent that like, they would openly get as close to the mat and cheer against kid from another team. And I was like, mm. you look so low class, please. Stop That's not that. a good, so yeah. I, I don't like I had that. to talk them into like, Hey, go cheer for the other kid. If you really have to. And you know, it, it, it's still, it's just, just as not classy. It's I hear like, you, coach. Like I, I've been at basketball games where it's I, I the thing I hate at basketball games is, is the one where it's like the opponents dribbling the ball and you know of course your your team is on defense and they're like take the ball he's scared he don't want I'm like that's somebody's kid you know what I mean like I I just cannot I am not down for that kind of 
fan behavior, you know, and so I'm sure some of these people, if they were listening to me, they think, oh, Kobo's soft or whatever. But like, I just disagree. But I don't think there's a place for that negativity uh, in high school athletics. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. We shouldn't I don't think we should bring that that side of it in, you know, I'm I'm so spoiled because wrestling is. And again, you've, you've known you've been around enough wrestling and it's like those guys are out there like, you know, you just shy of punching each other. You know, you're supposed to right. have contact before force, but there is a yeah. gray area. Some of those cross faces are pretty mean. Yeah. You know, our sport has blood time in it. So, you know, right, it's right, right. and you know, they always come out there. They start with a handshake. They wrestle it through. They end with a handshake. 99% of the time they go across and they shake the other coach's hand. And yep. it's pretty much over after the event because whistle the whistle. I, you know, I was, when I'm teaching the kids, I'm showing them a move and I'm like, Hey, do you think I'm trying to hurt him? They're like, no. And I'm like, you bet I'm trying to hurt him. I'm not trying to injure him. Right. If I hurt right. him, he goes where I want him to go. And I win. And when the whistle's over, we're best friends. We'd be best buddies, but whistle the whistle, it's a sport. And I think in wrestling, we're really spoiled with that where most people it's, you know, if you can't control your emotions and you can't act right mm -mm. and you, and you so, so rarely hear, cause you're so close on the mat with the other coaches. So rarely do you hear the coaches ever trash talking the other kid. The only trash talk that comes out of the corner from the coaches is at the referees. Those referees get, get brutalized pretty, right. pretty hard. I've, I've done it a few times. I try not to, but the, it's <laughs> yeah. so rare that they're, you know, like you said, that's a kid. Shut up. That's a kid. Right. And his, and his dad is, and his mom are right here. And you're talking yeah. about their, you know, who they are as a human being. Like, yeah, nah, no. Well, coach, I'm glad we're on, we're on the same page of that. And thank you for sharing that story. Cause I, I, I have resolved that if I do hear that, if I do see something really bad again, I'm not going to confront the parent, but I will just let the administrator know and they can do with it what they want. Mm -hmm. You know, you can call me being a snitch or whatever, but I, no. I'm just going to let them know. Cause you know, they want to control the environment to make it a, a inclusive, fun place for everybody. Right. For all the and fans it, to have a good time. At KDISD. There is an administrator on duty at all times. Every single event, no matter how small it is, there is an administrator on duty. They may be covering three things and they may be, you know, in the trainer's room right now. They may be getting a drink, they, but there's an administrator on duty. There is, there's an event supervisor for everything. There's an administrator on duty. And it's the, you know, the, the presence usually takes care of anything before there's, it's an issue. So yeah, yeah Katie, Katie actually does it right. And I'll tell you this much, as far as fan behavior, I'm a very loud, rowdy fan. I got the big booming voice and I, I, I yell and scream all the time. And like I was at the Roughnecks game recently and I, I was standing during whenever we're on defense, I basically stand and yell kind of like they do like the Aggies, you know, Kyle Field. Like that, that's what I do. And the fan behind me very, very nicely asked me to sit. He had a daughter. And so I, I did. I obliged, you know, but I'm like, man, it's it's OK to be loud and, and, and have a good time. So I'm not saying just sit in your seat and patient you know quietly watch the game but like the negativity sure. i'm with you man we got it we got to get that out of the sport so all yeah, right let's I, talk about some of your uh some of the cool just cool experiences that you've had this is a guy that i i definitely remember this guy robert smith you know and and he's, he's one one of your famed buckeyes there he ran track for you i don't know if i'm pronouncing it correct but euclid yeah that's correct yeah euclid and he played football for ohio state and i remember him with the minnesota vikings i i always like i'm a lions fan but i was kind of like in the nfc central at the time Vikings are my second favorite. I, I dislike, I'm not a Packers or Bears guy, but you know, I like Lions and Vikings. That's kind of my, my speed there. So I liked Robert Smith uh, as a player there for the Vikings. And you said that every once in a while, you wound up having to run against, <laughs> run a leg of the four by four and you matched up with Robert Smith. So what was that like I, running the four I, by four against a pro athlete? <laughs> first of all, I never had to run actually against him. That's right. Cause you said, yeah, he was probably so the anchor. I guess I was probably, I was, 
yeah. second or third. For sure, but sure. It was, you know, uh, there. My my best memory of him is that he would he would run the two hundred, and the two hundred lines up on that curve, and that's where our high jump pit was. And by the time I was a junior and senior, my steps had gotten out of our out of our. I was usually like starting in, excuse <clears throat> me, like lane two or three. And so when they're, you know, they're running the 200, the hurdles or whatever, you, you can't, you can't be out there, obviously. And I remember standing on the edge and watching him move. Like it was, I think the only way I can explain it is that he floated. Yeah. Like he glided, but he was so powerful. Cause like when he took off, it was just like, it was like he was shot out of a gun and like yeah. watching him. And it was just like, even that, you know, the guys that I ran with and they were, you know, they were competitive, they're good enough, but it was just like gone. And they're like, ah, there he went. And it was just, it, it looked so effortless. And I used to be so, I, I, as a teenager, I was always jealous. Like, what if I could be like that? But yeah. he just, I mean, he was a man amongst boys and he would run past us. And when we played him in football, it was like, yeah, we could triple team him, but it was, it wasn't going to work. <laughs> it, was just, it was just yeah. so, yeah, yeah, so amazing. So, so fluid, so powerful. Yeah, and I, we, we've talked about that in the show several times, like big time D1 athletes, professional athletes, they're just built different. Yeah. You know, Coach Schallenberger talked about it. Like when you like he took a hit from Brian Arakpo in practice. They went to Lamar High School together. And he's like, it just feels different. They can generate so much more power. Even he said he's a special teams coordinator, like kickers. He's like, the guys they, they may look like a string bean, but just the ball explodes off of their foot. And it's it's just something that I think a lot of it is natural talent coupled with hard work, you know. Right. But uh they're just they're built different for sure. Um, as far as some of your, your favorite sports teams. Uh, like I mentioned, I you are a big Ohio State Buckeye fan. I'm a Michigan fan, but I do collect jerseys. That's my thing. And I do have the old Andy Katzmore because he was a bad dude. I definitely remember him. But uh, I guess you could all say it's Archie Griffin, you know, who's probably more famous yeah. in, in your circles. But I, I'm a Katzmore guy because uh, I have that connection. But you said you had the connection to those Cleveland uh, teams from back home. And, of course, you know, now you, you, you've – I guess are you at the point you've been in Houston longer than you – lived in cleveland are you have you hit oh, that milestone a, yeah right a fair, I, I left when i was 22 and i'm 50 now so there you go yeah. so of course you say you also enjoy rooting for the houston pro sports team and uh this i think this is so cool and i i've really i've honestly enjoyed this man like getting to do the seven lake sports podcast you guys really are a family i mean i, right. I talk to all these coaches and it's like you've all been there together for a long time you all speak so reverentially of each other i've just really it's been honestly heartwarming so that if you're a seven lakes parent listening to this podcast consider yourself lucky and thankful this is it's a highly functioning athletic department but you said you're a fan of everything seven lakes and uh your biggest passion is pretty much all of big 10 wrestling and ohio state buckeye football so oh, yeah. let's talk about some of your uh you know we always do this kind of the, the mount rushmores and start bench cuts we have a little bit of fun at the end let's talk about wrestling and this is something that i've I watch it casually from time to time as a fan, but I have nowhere near the knowledge. I, I wouldn't be able to name names or anything. So I, I want to put that onto you as far as your wrestling, your USA wrestling Mount Rushmore. So I'm talking whether that's Olympians or whether it's, it's big 10 stars that you've seen, but like who is your personal favorite all time top four wrestlers? Uh, yeah, man, get it down to four is not easy. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, I, I, I looked at this kind of there's there's kind of a different list between college and uh, international. Okay. Yep. Uh, but I, I kind of I mushed them all together. If yeah. that If that makes sense. And I know this is sacrilege, but on I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead since it's kind of my show. Eat and do an honorable mention. It's a little bit Love lower. It. Absolutely. On the, on Rushmore. Yep. Uh, but uh, I put Dan Gable down there as an honorable mention. 
Big time, uh, Dave. Yep. You know, he 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 was he was great. Uh, you know, he did a bunch of amazing things. He did more as a coach than I feel like he did as a wrestler. But I do like his his nineteen seventy two you know Olympic gold was monstrous. Uh, him and Logan Steber, Kyle Dake, David Taylor, those are all on my uh, uh, you know my honorable mentions. Uh, Dake and Taylor are still going, so they got a few more golds to go, uh, and they might climb up there. But my my top four, I, I have one on there that's probably going to be you know not controversial, but people forget about. Uh, but it's a uh, it's Bruce Baumgartner. Okay. Uh, Bruce Baumgartner uh, was a heavyweight, and he has you know, he only has five uh, international uh, gold medals, which puts him third on the list. Yeah. But that guy was wrestling until he was like. 39 or 40 something back when people stopped when they're like 25 sure and he has five medals but he has like a like six or seven bronzes and silvers he kept wrestling and then what i love about it is i'm gonna add the extra part is is he went on to be the athletic director at edinburgh and he he changed a lot of stuff and it was just it's so cool to see somebody because typically athletic directors are going to be football Uh and you know a wrestler and he was so highly respected just does amazing things um you know, easy ones, uh, John Smith. John Smith has six World Olympic titles. Uh, it's easy money there. Cale um, uh, Sanderson. Cale uh, Sanderson only has the one uh, Olympic gold, uh, but I think he's got a couple other uh, uh, world titles as well. Uh, but you cannot replace 159 and 0 in college. Yeah. That is, you know, and everyone, like, it's, it's funny to hear people like, well, he had a loss as a redshirt freshman. You're like, you're correct. But he had four years of eligibility and nobody could beat him. And it's right, not like right. he was running super fancy stuff. Like he just was, you know, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I do well. Two, did it at two different weight classes. Was a monster, super dominant. Man, you can't stop that guy. And then what he's done as a coach too. Good Lord. Yep. Um, and then obviously the other one, Jordan Burroughs. Jordan Burroughs uh, has all those, you know, the Olympic and uh, world titles. He has, uh, he revolutionized the sport as far as I'm concerned for this generation. Uh, you know, getting to see that guy, you know, watch him grow up as a Jersey kid and, you know, and then going on Nebraska and winning a couple of titles. And he won the Hodge trophy, which is, it's like our Heisman trophy. Um, and uh, he like out of the gate, like he was, he, you know, he wrestled in, in March at the, uh, you know, national championships for the NCAAs. And then in September, he's, he wins a world title. I mean, like, what, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, Sanderson didn't even pull that off the very first time. So he, he's just a, a phenom and I love the way that he, he developed and all the great things he did. But I, I just, I love following wrestling. I, my, my son and I had free tickets to the, the big 10 championships up in Ann Arbor. And yeah. it was last weekend and we got snowed out. We couldn't with the first time in my life, I've been on a plane that got up and turned around. We went back to wow. I flew from Houston to Houston to be, go home and be sad. Um, but uh, I love the, the big 10 stuff and I, you know, it's our spring break. Uh, and my wife's, you know, we always got these like, oh, let's take care of this, let's take care of that, do these plans. And I was like, better be done before Thursday because I'm, I'm about to open up like six screens on ESPN Plus for the national championships up in Tulsa. I'll have, yeah. I'll have an iPad going in one spot, another iPad going, and then the TV going. Okay, now let's right. let's let's you know we uh, we're gonna go to our start bench cut portion here. Well, you know, you mentioned Woody Hayes. We're gonna allow you to be Woody Hayes. We're gonna let you put the whistle on or be Urban Meyer and, and keep beating Jim Harbaugh. But you're gonna be the coach here. You're going to roll out the starting lineup here. So I'm going to ask you a couple start bench cut questions. The first one, these are some guys that I, I remember well, you know, kind of from my childhood and, and a little bit beyond. But a Buckeyes wide receiver start bench cut. Joey Galloway, 
Just saw him on TV last night calling an XFL game. David Boston, the Houstonian from Humble High School. His his fisticuffs and showdowns of Charles Woodson's are, are things Charles Woodson are things of legend. And then Ted Ginn Jr., you know, who had a great who continued on, great buckeye, great pro career. So start one, bench one, cut one. Joey Galloway, David Boston, Ted Ginn Jr. Oh, I have been uh writing this part of the show the whole time. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I I put I, you in a no-win situation here. Yeah, that's correct. So I have to pick. Uh, so I went. I was. I was going to cut Galloway. Uh, the game is so different now. Sure, uh, sure. Don't know what his stats would be like. It's a little. You know. It's a little different. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna bench uh, Boston because I kind of. I had to pick one, and that was my one. I start. Uh, start again. Uh, I. I give him the the props because of the the track. He's got a. Uh, yeah. He's got a national title in hundred. Yes. 110 hurdles, I yeah. believe. So speedster. That's my best bet. But I, I would take any of the three of them on any day. But no doubt game, about it. There we go. Uh, no doubt about it. All right. So you're going to start Ted Ginn, uh, Boston, David Boston, be coming off the bench, and Joey Galloway uh, will be transferring to a Mac school. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joey Galloway was was an awesome receiver right, for sure. But uh, that that's a tough list to crack right there of those three. All right. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, let's start a Buckeyes defense start bench cut. Chris Spielman, which I, you know, oddly enough, went ended up you know being involved with the Detroit Lions, so he's kind of he's got some Michigan ties to a great time in Buffalo. But Spielman was a heck of a linebacker for the Buckeyes. Andy Katzenmoyer is just my my recollection of growing up in the '90s in Big Ten football and the big neck roll and the you know the barbed wire tattoo. I mean, I just when I when I think linebacker, a lot of times I do think of Andy Katzenmoyer. I got to be honest with you there. And then AJ Hawk, you know, who had who had a you know better pro career. Uh, you know, than than a, than a Katsimura, but was, you know, was a great linebacker at Ohio State. So start start one, bench one, cut one. Chris Spielman, Andy Katsimura, AJ Hawk. Um, this is this is like you're in my wheelhouse. I mm. I I never played football, mm. um, outside of my neighborhood stuff, but I love the defense and I love the linebackers. Yeah, linebackers make usually some of the best wrestlers. They're 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 fast. They're aggressive. They're they're mean. Yep. They're they're my people. Uh, but, uh, you know, this one was, uh, was kind of tough. I didn't know the, the easy one was Spielman. I, I, I got to cut Spielman cause he wanted to go to the university up North, you know, which one we're talking about. <laughs> so you know what, off you go. You okay. Go. And I loved him. I loved yeah. him when he was in the, the scarlet and gray, but you want to be that, you want to be a Wolverine. See you later. Right. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, cats my, uh, uh, not cats, my, sorry, uh, cats. I, I, I struggle with that one. And so I kind of had to look some stats up and I had an easy out to bench him. Uh, he's going to the rival high school of my, uh, my nephews. So, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he, they, he's on the wrong side of Westerville where my kids, uh, my, my brother's kids go. So that, that was easy. I can bench him, even though I did, I love watching him play. I really enjoyed AJ Hawk. Uh, you know, that's, that's my start. Uh, I wonder, you know, with, uh, with cats winning the, you know, the first guy to win the Butkus award, I wonder like, would those guys still be able to play nowadays? Because they were just so mean when the game has changed in, in a good way. But you can't pick up and spike anybody anymore like you used to, <laughs> which I loved. But, you know, different times. Yeah. And also, I mean, because big guys like that, I mean, it's all predicated on stopping the run. You know, now yeah. like the game big is time. so much yeah. more wide open. So you, you wonder right. if big linebackers like Katz and Moore, uh, you know, how how they would do. And uh, one one other thing I wanted to ask you about, Coach. You know, talking about the, the Andy Katzenmore and the physical, you know, inside linebackers of the day. I always remember that documentary of a school in Ohio. I believe it's called Maslin, 
Maslin Tigers. Ma- Maslin Tigers. Yeah. The name of the documentary was Go Tigers. Mm-hmm. And it, it that, that brings me back to that era too, because it, it was that same era of the big neck rolls and, you know, the, the whole town coming out. So I'm just curious, did you ever have any, is that near Cleveland or what, what part of this or is it near no, Columbus or what's the, it's south of us, but it's it, the Cleveland sprawls um, yeah. very much, you know, like Houston does, but nowhere near the same, but it's, it's down, down that area. Uh, but, you know, when that, when I remember when that doc, I was still in, I was in Texas when that documentary came out and I, you know, I knew of them, uh, you know, but we never really played them a whole lot right. or ever. And I just knew who they were. And it was, to me, it was, I thought it was so ironic because they're the Tigers and they had the same idea as the Katie Tigers. Yeah. And they've been able to kind of hold on to that. I, I remember that, uh, uh, that scene in that documentary, cause I, I love those kind of things. Yeah. And that scene in the documentary where the band director has the paper, from the the mayor where he's allowed to go wherever he wants on game day with his band and yes. so like he's like you know they had like a a, a a standalone sears and he's marching through the sears with his band and everybody's like oh they're here you know like this right. is so awesome and you know we we do that uh you know here on, on campus with the, the game days start the day off and that you know i'll be making copies or getting something set and i'll hear that first drum and i'm like you know like a prairie dog, my ears up, I'm like, oh, they're coming, you know, and it's yeah. just so, but I, I love that kind of that, that small town feel. It's, it's so hard to recreate, you know, in these sprawling Houston cities and suburbs yeah. that, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I bought my house the first year we opened up seven lakes. Uh, we started in, in August and I bought my house in February of that, you know, I guess that the, the same school year, but the following year, 06. And I could look over my back fence and I could see seven lakes Yeah, door to door. I'm just under two miles. And then we're, we're zoned to Tompkins now. I mean, right. it's just, you know, and then, and there are people in the neighborhood that were, they were, they lived in their house. They were zoned to Cinco, then to Seven Lakes, then they rezoned, then they're back. And then, oh, wait, is that neighborhood going to go to Jordan? And then it just, it's kind of hard to keep that generation after generation after generation that, you know, played for and went to that school. So, but no, that that's a really cool documentary of, you know, uh, it, it is called just go tired yeah yep go tigers but you know and it's funny like you talk about the zoning like i have a friend he actually he he lives in fulcher but at the time he, he was zoned to tompkins and he was like the farthest west part yeah. of the tompkins zone and his son ended up playing on that uh team that went to the state championship game in basketball uh for for, for tompkins falcons right. so it's just kind of cool how the you you and uh cinco and jordan and tompkins you're all kind of just in that area where those boundaries really they cut close, you know, and it's kind of well, interesting how it shakes out. Yeah. When they opened Tompkins, we, it was, we sat down and looked at it and Tompkins and seven lakes are two miles apart. Tompkins and Cinco are two and a half miles apart. Right. And Cinco and seven lakes are three miles apart. And then now there's Jordan out there. So that, that right. neighborhood was ours. Then it became Tompkins and now it's Jordan. Yeah. So fascinating. Yep. No, really, really interesting. And, um, I guess last start bench cut, start bench cut. Then I have a Katie ISD question for you, and then we're going to wrap it up. But I, put, I brought I brought up some of the big names here. Of course, Archie Griffin, you know, legendary, kind of, you know, kind of like Earl Campbell for Texas fans in that sense, right? I mean, multiple Heisman Trophy winner there for Archie Griffin, Eddie George. You talk about Andy Katzmore. My real memory of Ohio State football is Eddie George. Yeah, he was just incredible. And then you know, a little bit of a position shift here, but we're still just talking offensive side of the ball. Another. Big time name that had an awesome pro career, more so than any of the receivers we talked about. Chris Carter, you know, was an Ohio State Buckeye. So I, I brought out some of the heavy hitters here for the last one, but you got to start one, bench one, cut one. Archie Griffin, Eddie George, and Chris Carter. 
Uh, this was the hardest one. This was not yeah. easy. <laughs> um, the the uh, the easy one for me, even though I really was enjoying this time, was Eddie George. Because uh, remember, I, I'm going to cut him because I still got that that scar in my heart from Ernest Biner dropping that ball. Uh, so he dropped that ball, what, twice in the Illinois game, which we shouldn't have never, ever, ever lost at Illinois. But, you know, yeah. it happens. Um, you know, I got to choose between Griffin and, and Carter and the, I just got to go with, with history and I'm going to, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to start at Griffin and then, and, uh, and bench Carter, even though, again, I would love to have all three of them at the same time on the field and love them all. Last thing, coach, just to wrap it up, man, that that's, you made the, I'm sure you made the right choice there. A any good Buckeye is always going to pick Archie Griffin <laughs> back into a corner, but you yeah. know, um, you know, as, as the people on the show know, like I'm moving out to KDISD here very, very soon. We're going to be living uh, in Kane Island, you know, which is in, in, in the heart of the Katie zone there. So we'll, we'll be tigers. And, and one day, hopefully my son is involved in athletics and maybe you're still, you're still around and, and maybe, maybe he gets involved in wrestling and that'd be, that'd be so cool. But just, I've been so impressed with KDISD from afar, you know, as someone who grew up in Fort Bend and it's kind of the, the sister district, you know, right down the road. And I've always, obviously the success of all the sports programs and many different sports, your story you shared about Debbie Decker talk, making an unruly fan and, and holding them accountable and saying like, Hey, you're not representing what we do in KDIC, like all of it, you know, Jimmy's experience, getting to meet all the coaches at seven lakes with the podcast. Can you just talk about your district as a whole and just give a, an endorsement for, you know, for KDISD? Cause it's something I'm very excited to kind of come become a part of the community. And I'm just curious, you know, you've been in for so long, both at Maid Creek and at seven lakes, just what does KDISD mean to you? Um, you know, first of all, personally, it's, it's the, the place that allowed me to, you know, I mean, they gave me a job. They, they put yeah. food in the, the mouth in my mouth and, you know, and it closed my back. Uh, my wife works in Katie as well. Oh. Um, you know, it's a, it's such a great place to, to raise kids. And, you know, and every place is, is, is made up of the people. And so it is what you, what you make of it. And, um, you know, I, I love the, the competitive nature because 95% of all competitive nature here in KDISD, it's all pretty good natured. Yeah. Uh, it's the way, it, the way it's supposed to be. The, the idea behind competitiveness is not that I want to cut you down, but, I want to, you know, oh my gosh, that's what the standard is. And that's what they're doing. I have to work harder. And iron I am sharp as iron, so, yeah. so lucky to have, I have uh, in my district that I have to compete against. I have two or three of the best coaches in the state. And so it's the, you know, from uh, last year, uh, we kind of had one of those years where everything came together. Uh, and for wrestling, we have, we have five district championships. We have varsity boys, varsity girls. JV boys, JV girls, and then a rookie boy division. And it really came together for us. And we won four out of those five titles. Wow. Uh, the rookie division, we didn't win. We took second. And it was kind of like, I was just, that was, no one's ever made the sweep before. And wow. So, okay. You know, the, the, the coaches that I was, you know, were competing against, they're like, you, did you win all of them? I was like, no, we just missed the one. They're like, yeah, we're going to call that the Demarchi from now on. Cause oh my God. And, <laughs> you know, and, and we graduated all those kids. And so we kind of had to start from scratch. And for me, I know that I'm constantly kind of hammering at it and working at it because I just, I don't ever want to fall below a level that's acceptable, not just for me personally, because I'm a little competitive, but for my, the kids, I don't want them to have a, a negative experience because some people may only crack that varsity lineup that one time. And that's right. the year where we're doing the, I really don't like to use this word, but the rebuilding year mm -hmm. and we should have been rebuilding. 
we should have been like, oh, let's just rebuild it. But then all those kids that were, that's their year to be captain. That's their year to right. be starter. That's your, right. their year to, you know, whatever. It's like, no, we're going to make it a thing. We never talked about that we weren't strong or that we were weak. And we ended up taking, you know, from the boys and the girls, I think we took third and fourth. Uh, the girls took third and the boys took fourth. They had no business. We had no business getting that high. And I mean, who celebrates a third place finish? Well, I do. Because yeah, yeah. We, shouldn't, we shouldn't have been anywhere near that. And and you take that team and you put them in a couple other districts, you know. Oh, yeah. One or two. Oh, yeah. And I love that that exists because it, that's my wrestling story. Uh, you want to hear the one about our cross-country team and then our golf and our swimming and our tennis and our football and our baseball. And, our, and I'm going to forget all the other sports, but it's constantly like that. I, I had so much yeah. fun this year because uh, my, my daughter was on the freshman volleyball team. So she would finish her games and we're like, I'm going to get to go see the varsity. And you would walk from the small gym over to the big gym, mm. and there was all that energy in there, and the Spartan crazies are out there. Yeah, the Spartan crazies. Yep. <laughs> and I remember, like the uh, this year, like uh, you know, we had a great team, but you know, Cinco and Tompkins had these amazing squads, and I cannot remember if Tompkins made it to the state finals or to the state semifinals, but they were just so legit. I watched them hit as we walked in the gym, and I got halfway up the stands, and we we sat down and. My, I looked at my wife and my wife looked at me and she goes, you okay? She says, you look kind of pale. And I was like, I was just envisioning myself on the other side of that girl serve. And right. she was, she's like, what do you mean? I go, I just would have, I'd have covered up my no, no square in my face and just prayed <laughs> for it to be over. And like, and I've wrestled some of the toughest, meanest people in the world. And I'd rather go on the mat now at 50 with those monsters than I would take to a couple of those serves. And it's like, and then you turn around and Cinco was just as good. And yeah. then Devin Lakes is just as good. Like it was, I, I love that it's like that. Cause it's not just, god-given talent it's amazing coaches i i'm i'm blown away by how many coaches i know that are not wrestling coaches in kdisd because i see them at you know the leadership events or yeah. the talk or you know you uh, as i talk to the, the coaches here on campus and they'll they'll talk about those other coaches as boy that guy does all these great things and i gotta get him not yeah. oh what a cheater we don't like him you know it's just it's such a it's such a neat atmosphere that it's really kind of hard to you know to recreate because everybody's in it at all times. I, I you know I'm I'm real uh, physically close on campus with the basketball programs and so heading to the my locker room or heading to pick up laundry or whatever it is we cross paths a lot and I'm like I'm like all right so who's leading the district right now? They're like oh well Cinco beat Katie last night and now this and then yeah, back and yeah. forth and you're like. I'm like, oh, okay, so like we're in, we're in, we already won it, awesome. Yeah. And there's only one game left. All right, well, who's who's going to be the third and the fourth? They go, no idea, because they're constantly, constantly fighting and constantly getting after it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and when you have that across the district, that's you know you have to be hiring good people. It's each individual sport. You have to be hiring good leaders on campus for all the nine campuses, soon to be ten. Then you have to have all the athletic leadership. It's just it, it and then the leadership has to work well with the, you know, the board leadership and the, the super, it's, it's such a, you know, it's so many different parts moving together. And when it doesn't work well, it's a disaster, but when it does, and it, and it does here, you're just, you're blessed. You just, you're just blessed. I, I'm spoiled. I'm so spoiled. We, I am, well, one of my assistants is, is going to go full-time football. And so we have to replace that assistant and uh, you know, here on my campus and I'm not the only one here on my campus, it is, I've had meeting after meeting with principals and, you know, uh, Coach Hammond about what do you want? Here's what we can offer. Here's how we can organize it. Yeah. Here's how we, they're bending over backwards for a third wrestling coach. 
Yeah. And, yep. and, 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 and some, some schools don't even have a second wrestling coach, much less sure, a third. Sure. And the third wrestling coach is a guy that showed up late to a meeting and he's driving the bus. You know, he's like, this is your punishment for, you know, being the newest guy on campus. Because you don't know <laughs> right. nothing about nothing. And here I, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting, working for people that the, the two people on my staff now are, have been head coaches and could be head coaches again anywhere they want to, but they want to, they want to be a part of something special. Yeah. And this is so blessed. So, so, gl- so glad to hear all that coach, man. I can't wait to become a part of the community. If you've enjoyed uh, today's interview as much as I have, again, please just take that moment. Give us the five-star rating that drives us up the chart. So more people can hear these stories of coaches making a difference. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. And follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kobo. That's coach underscore KOVO. You can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We lift up our own here inside of the Team Player Nation. So a lot of this is recommendation. And we're just kind of growing this community community organically. So please give us recommendations. Share the podcast with your friends. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr, and our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. All right, Coach Mike DeMarchi, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. All right, thank you for all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy 